Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Feeling old, Andy, because earlier tonight, driving in my car after baseball practice, I heard the um, air-scratching stylings of Zach Zaidman inform me that Vladimir Guerrero is in his 100th home run. And it feels like yesterday that I was heckling his father on his first week in the big leagues, opening day, 1998. And uh, so just adjusting to that. So this is the, um, um, for uh, people who like to torture themselves, this is the long-awaited, remember this crap, of the 2004 Chicago Cubs. The last one in this series will be a much happier one. Although, albeit with a tragic ending, but it's a much happier, more positive. That'll be the 1984 Cubs. But for now... Uh, you get the 20th, 20th anniversary team uh, and their exploits. Uh, but before we get to that, last week we did a remember this crap on the on the Bears and the 49ers, and we did the 1985 game where the Bears got their revenge from the uh, previous NFC Championship game. And mm-hmm. we uh, we were exposed for the first time that we could remember to a uh, plucky uh, CBS analyst named Wayne Walker, who we I learned I learned so much about Wayne. Yeah, Walker. Who we found out not only did he look. Looked like a, an enormous Jimmy Buffett. Um, I'm enormous only in his football player size. He's not a he's not a, a not right. a rotund man. I mean, Matt Millen. Yeah. Uh, and that he had been a an All Pro or a not he had been a Pro Bowl linebacker. I guess he would made one All Pro team with the Lions and their place kicker. And he was a terrible place kicker. He could make extra points, and that was it. He's made forty percent of his field goals for his career. So but, that was funny. Yeah. We talked about Wayne, and um, this week I heard Al Michaels on the Jimmy Traina podcast. And he was just talking, you know, Al's going to do the Amazon game, so he's on, he's, you know, chatting about the the NFL season, what's going to be like to work for Amazon. And um, Jimmy asked him um, basically a question, like, was there anybody you ever worked with that you thought um, didn't, like, uh, what, what Jimmy was angling for was somebody who dabbled in announcing, who had a lot of potential, but like went back to coaching or went into something else and didn't. And Al said, actually, he goes, I did work with a guy who exited the profession for a very strange reason. And I was intrigued as to what he was talking about. Uh, Al worked a couple of years for CBS. Oh, um, in the late 70s, before he became an ABC stalwart. He, and, um, okay. he was there. Brent was doing games. And about the time well, Al Br- left. Brent was doing the studio show, right? Well, uh, Brent uh, apparently was. He said at one point he and Brent were both doing games, and then eventually okay. Brent went to do the NFL Today. 
Um, and after Al left, a, a guy named, we know this because we listened to one of the games, Bob Costas um, worked for CBS. Bob Costas and Johnny Morris did a Bears game that we broke down last year. Look it so up. So Al, to, Al told a story about um, being sent to New Orleans to be an emergency fill-in. There was some, there was some kind of travel problem, um, and they said, "Just we don't even know who your analyst is going to be, but get there on get there on Saturday, and we'll get somebody there, and you guys can work." And he said he's standing in the. This is not the Wayne Walker story yet. Um, he said he's uh, standing in the <laughs> hotel lobby, and he looks over, and in the you know in the line next to him, also getting ready to check in, is Hank Stram. So he walks over and says, uh, "Coach Stram, is Al Michaels, I think I'm your partner this week." He said, "Yeah, we are." And he said him and Hank got to do a bunch of games together, and really he really liked Hank. And um, he said, "But also another game in New Orleans, Hank called him. They were they traditionally went to dinner on Saturday, and he's like, uh, Al, I can't I can't have dinner with you tonight.'" And I was like, well, "That's fine. What what's up?" And he's like, uh, "The owner of the Saints wants me to have dinner with him." Yeah, and coach. Al's like Al's like, "Well, they're going to offer you the coaching job." And Hank's like, "Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that." And um, so at the game the next day, uh, he's talking to Al, and he's like, do you think I have a future in this business? And Al's like, what do you mean? And he's like, um, you know, as an, as an analyst, do you think I'm any good at it? He's like, yeah, I think, you're really, I think you're really good at it. He said, but you're a football coach, and if the Saints want you to coach them, you, and you want to do it, go do it, because at some point you're going to not be a coach again, and you can just do this. Yep. And this is exactly what True. happened. He coached the Saints. Take the Saints the were terrible. And he got fired, and then he came back and he announced for the rest of his life. He was a, somewhat of a long, somewhat of a national presence. You know, we talk a lot about Summerall and Madden one two. There's you know Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson, but on the radio, uh, Joe Buck and Hank Stram were doing Super yep. Bowls up until like even twenty five years ago. I'm guessing. So, so anyway, Al told that story. Then to tell this other one, he said, so Hank goes. Hank goes back into coaching and then he goes, I had kind of a rotating set of partners the next year. And he goes, um, <laughs> he goes, I was supposed to do a game in, um, he goes, Oh, he goes, I got, a, I got an assignment to go do a game in new England, with the Patriots. And my analyst was supposed to be Wayne Walker, who I'd worked with a few times. He said, but then I got a call that Wayne had told CBS that he, him and his wife and the kids were going to Disneyland because they were originally supposed to do a Rams game. And they got switched to the game in Boston. And he said, we're going to Disneyland, and I'm going. So either you put me on the Rams game, or I'm done. Yeah. And they said, yeah. well, you're done. And that's how Wayne's career ended. But Al threw in a little something else to kind of enlighten us. That was Wayne's new wife, who was some kind of an heiress. So Wayne had a shitload of money now. Oh, it didn't matter. And it's basically yeah. like, fuck you, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> just, but the the it irony of plot. we had never heard of Wayne Walker until last oh. week, and then I then three days later I hear another Wayne Walker story about how that's he told, incredible. Told CBS from, from to go the, fuck themselves because he's going from to Disneyland. From the mouth of yep. yeah, from the mouth of Al Michaels. Well, you said he. Was, I remember some of the facts when you re, we had our Wayne uh, Walker uh, half hour last week, but he was a native Idahoan. Played in Detroit, but then settled in San Fran, and uh, was a West became a West Coast guy. So when you're talking about New England, I'm like, he's probably not a fan of going across the yeah, country. Like, sure enough, fuck that. We're, I'm going to Disneyland. So he that's great. That's like the uh, whoever that band is. I forget. That's Wayne Walker. All right. So the 2000. So here's a great segue. Well, no, we could talk. We could segue uh, into announce, announcers who uh, quit. Um, 
as nice we get to the Donna. end of this season, um, both Chip Carey and uh, Steve Stone would uh, jump the uh, jump out of the booth. Chip was in the final year of his contract. Oh. And was basically, the Cubs gave him a heads up that he wasn't going to be back. Steve quit because of the, well, I'm sure we'll get to this. Um, he felt like the uh, Cubs, uh, Jim Hendry in particular, but the Cubs in general, uh, were mean to Chip over some incidents that happened during the season. So, And, you know, un- unlike uh, Wayne Walker, Steve Stone was not married to a wealthy heiress, but he was, you know, of course he's been working for the 18 years since. But... Steve's a confirmed bachelor. Confirmed, that's right. And, uh, but I, you know, I think well, well enough off uh, in 2004 yes. where you know, he could do that. That's true. That's a fun fact. Last season of Steve Stone as Cubs broadcaster. So the the 2004 season is one of the weirder seasons in Cubs history. It came off the heels of this unexpected great run that they had that culminated in them playing three games, two of them at Wrigley Field, with a chance to go to the World Series. And we talked about it in the 03, the way that ended has kind of soured... Yes, our memories on that and what was an incredible season up until in a the way last four in days. which I don't feel about with '84, which was equally painful at the end, but doesn't seem to linger like '03 always has. Yeah. I think honestly, part of it is, I think '84 made '03 worse. Like yep. I remember thinking when the Cubs got were one win out of three games, like we've lived through this once; they're not going to fucking do this again. And then they did, we, and so we pretty sure them we talked about it, right? Because they we, did we that talked to about it, right? The parallels, and we'll we can bring it up again next week, but it is related to 04 because it's a continuation. But yeah, the uh, there's some eerie, eerie similarities between uh, 84 and 03 in that yeah they had one they had three cracks to win one game. In 84 they had a pitcher that hadn't lost in three months, and 03 they had two pitchers that hadn't lost back to back in either you know four or five months. It's just um, it's 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 out there um, and and. Whatever, and I think you're right. It's having lived through '84, and then just having them go th- have us put, you know, having us go through it again, almost uh, identically, put us in a weird frame of mind. I think uh, in '04, probably was not quite as analogous to 1985. Well, because they were still good. Yeah, yeah. But so we looked at the '03 team, and there were some there were some holes on it, right? There wasn't really a first baseman. I mean, they had patched it together with Hesop Troy and Eric Karros, and then Randall Karros. Pulled their fat out of the fire, and so did Simon. You're right. And so what did Jim Hendry do? He went and he got Derek Lee. So that hole is filled with a guy who won the pennant at Wrigley Field against us, but that was fine. Yep. Um, there was – they hadn't really addressed shortstop. We, Alex Gonzalez had been fine in 03. He's, he was going to start. If anything, they doubled up a position that was pretty solid with Mark Grudzelanek. They went and got Todd Walker. Todd now Walker. We got, now we got two second base. Yeah. Yep. Um. You know, the fifth starter had been Sean Estes, and now it was Greg Maddox. Greggy's home. Um, a much older Greg Maddox, but it's still effective. Certainly a hell of a number five. So, Center field had been, uh, you know, Corey Patterson had gotten off to that great start in 03, and then um, just about the time it all started to fall apart, he tore up his knee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been of the theory that that um, – Led to a bad decision, then going into 04, which was oh Corey's really he, Corey's getting better. Well, that's our center fielder. Well, 
I, you can forgive them for that because it was still a little incomplete. I, you know, he did have one yeah. f- big season in 02 with like 600 at bats and 170 strikeouts. But well, my thought was he, if he doesn't get hurt in 03, he ends up with right. bad numbers. Yes, and then, and then, then you look at it like don't go to the we playoffs. can't. We certainly can't count on him to be our everyday center fielder. Well, it's it's a whole different butterfly flap between because if that happens, he stays healthy and falls off a table. They might, you know, they only made the playoffs by a game. So yeah, they never trade they for they don't trade, they don't trade for Kenny Lofton, and they probably don't make the playoffs. And so maybe in a weird way that it tamps expectations down to the point where they're like, we're going to be Corey's going to be good. We're going to be fine. Maybe he would have yeah. been the center fielder anyway. Instead, um, yeah, their 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 hedge was. Oh, wait till he comes back from this injury because he was just, you know, I, with Patterson, they were always hoping more than they were actually being objective. It now, it, like. it made perfect sense for the Cubs to try to keep Kenny, given that Moises Alou was injury prone in left field. He had gotten through most of the season in 03, and the, the likelihood of him doing that again wasn't good. Corey was coming off a major knee injury, and he probably didn't want to try to play him every day. But there was a problem with that in that Kenny hated Sammy Sosa. And didn't want to come back. I mean, if they, if he knew this, if he knew, maybe if uh, if if they had launched Sammy instead, he'd have come back. But uh, Kenny had basically said afterwards that no, I did my time with Sammy. I was done with that shit. That bad, huh? Yeah. I mean, I know Sammy was not much of a teammate, right? He's always kind of pushing himself out front and center to get the fans. Uh, adoration and who knows back. how much of that was? Because I don't think the Cubs. I mean, it's it made sense for the Cubs to try to sign him. I don't know if they ever tried. And then when Kenny, I, well, get, when Kenny gets I, when, asked later, he could have been like, I wasn't coming back anyway, even though maybe he really did want right, to. Right, just to get a chance to shit on Sammy, you know, like I said, probably not the most likable teammate. I I, I felt like Lofton was pretty old in 03, but you know, he probably still played for a few years after. He was 36. He, he played for the Yankees the next year. Yeah. He played until uh, 2000. He played until 2007. Okay. Yeah. He kept back, himself in shape. Went back to Cleveland at the end. Played for Texas and Cleveland. His final year. But you're right. First base, definite. First base, definite upgrade. Second base, like you said, was the redundancy. But hey, it doesn't hurt to have Todd Walker as opposed to. I mean, Ramon Martinez is probably still on the team, but Walker was certainly replacing somebody less worthy. And now you have Ramirez for a full season. You didn't have him until late, halfway through the year before, and. uh yeah, and then uh, catcher was an yeah. upgrade at the time. You know, Damian Miller depends on where you put the defense offense calculus for catchers because Barrett was one of the best offensive catchers the Cubs had. But Cubs had, but uh, then you have to realize you're using the term catcher a little loosely because he was probably the worst defensive catcher. But I think at the time it was easy to convince yourself that it's another upgrade, certainly on offense. And God, with all that great pitching, you know how. How bad can how how much can Barrett hurt them? Those guys. They, well, and you already they, you had a capable backup. Hank. No, we had Gabor. In 03. In 04. Gabor was still around. Oh, Hank didn't come along till 05. My bad. Okay. The, the backup catchers um, on that team were uh, Paul Baco. There's got to be another. There's not enough games. And Mike DeFelice. But he only played four games. So. Yeah. Those I think were in September. So it's just the Barrett and Baco show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Barrett, well, Barrett played caught 134 games. Baco only played in 49. Well, he had a hit a whopping 203. That a boy, Gabor. And then obviously the other big hole they had was, and it was what cost them the pennant was their bullpen. 
and they fixed it all up. They went out, they, oh, they did amazing things. They they went out and they got LaTroy Hawkins, who at the time was a great signing. And, and they also picked up Kent Merker, Kent which Merker. seemed to be seemed to be a savvy signing. Yeah, it was you get a lefty who isn't uh, Mark Gussie so, and get a righty right, who so, isn't Dave so, Veers. Right. The reality is is that uh, Dusty rode his starters like fucking thoroughbreds, and then uh, the only two, the only three bullpen guys that he trusted down the stretch, and you might not actually blame him, was uh, Borowski, Farnsworth, and Remlinger. I feel like. I don't know if anyone else would you could ever really trust, and that's just too thin. Even when you're, you know, burying your starters for seven, eight innings, yeah. you need to have a little more depth in the bullpen, and that was proved because Guthrie gave up a tough homer uh, in the playoffs. You know, Farnsworth eventually shit the tub in the playoffs, but he had a good year. It didn't help either that Farnsworth was the Steve Traxel of relievers and would alternate good and bad years. Yeah. So he had a very great, very good 0-1 and a very good 0-3, and then he was useless in what would turn out to be his final season of the Cubs. Maybe not. Maybe it was the next year. But So LaCroix uh, was, was paid like a closer at the time, but was going to be a setup guy. And that had been what he had been done best in his career. And as it would turn out for the Cubs, when he when he wasn't closing, he was good. And when he was closing, he wasn't. And uh, we There's talking. that. And then the, another savvy pickup that Jim Hand, Henry made in the offseason was, was his first of several reclamation projects, and by far the most successful was the picking up um, the now cursed Ryan Dempster, uh, who was coming off shoulder surgery, and stashed him on the back then we called it the DL. Yeah. And that would sort of factor into the bullpen um, in a good way until it wasn't. But, uh, but you're right, Hawkins uh, was – a significant free agent signing, but we already had Borowski, but I think everyone kind of knew that the turkey timer was going to pop up on Joe at some point. He pitched his heart out for two seasons, a miserable 0-2, and then 0-3 when everything was on the line, he just kept stepping up. And, uh, and, and so I think Hawkins was actually signed not as a closer, like you said. He didn't pitch as well, but – it was a hedge. It was insurance against uh, Borowski getting hurt, as was Dempster being picked up. So that's – and as things would bear out, Borowski did get hurt and not finish the 4 season, hence those other two guys. I think the real tragedy of the Cubs bullpen was the fact that they, um, they let a uh, – the guy who could have been their lefty closer and actually did get a save. They let him go. They just uh, they let him go to the Red Sox. The, right after he got the save, uh, I don't. Do you remember uh, Jimmy Anderson? I do. I remember when we all congregated and ordered a pizza to his hotel room. Yep. Uh, when he won he that got game, a, uh, his final appearance as a Cub ever uh, in a seven to two Cub win. Jimmy Anderson pitched the final four innings and got his only big league save. He had five hits and two runs. Came up and, as a uh, pirate, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And it, he came in, and it was like, just let you, might as well just let Jimmy finish. And then it became yeah. my joke was, that, you know, he's a big boy. I said, well, I'll send him a pizza. And so yeah. we figured out what hotel the Cubs were in, and I actually, I don't know that he you ever did got it. it. Okay. Yes. Brat, Brat was involved in that. So I, I actually sent a, I sent a Domino's pizza uh, to Jimmy Anderson. Outstanding. So, thank you, Jimmy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Right. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he had. He had, would express some gratitude if given the opportunity. I what, did the Cubs? I'm, I, my guess is they tried to send him back to Iowa, and he 
So we're talking off-season transactions, and I've got the schedule up too because we're going to probably scroll through uh, the the agony and the ecstasy that was the season in as best as we could chronological order. But immediately I'm looking early and then think back to the fact that the Cubs made a deal with the Atlanta Braves, and I can't even remember who they traded. All I I remember is that they had a prospect – Oh, Juan Cruz, I believe. That's what it was. They finally gave up on Juan Cruz because he did. Juan Cruz did pitch in the playoffs here before. And they, I can't remember all of it. I think Ruben Covado might have been a different deal, but they got a guy who made, a, made his debut, I want to say, against his former team, first weekend of the season in Atlanta. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Pratt. Andy Pratt. Who may have thrown about 35 pitches for the Cubs. and They're all balls. Fewer than five were strikes, and it was never heard from again. I mean, when we, how many times did we talk about the Cubs just getting burned by trading with the Braves? He was a that's not, a another. diminutive, fireballing lefty, six five eleven, one hundred and sixty pounds. Although he looked like he probably weighed a little more than one hundred and sixty pounds. Actually, he deb- made he made his debut against the Reds, and okay. he pitched he pitched a, a scoreless inning with one walk. He then pitched uh, twice. He pitched back-to-back days against the Braves. Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday? Uh, I don't know. April 9th and 10th, whatever that was. All right, so he pitched the Friday game, April 9th, a game I'm just going to point out. I remember watching that in a bar in Portage Park where Todd Hollinsworth had a game-tying ninth-inning homer off a of Braves closer, John Smoltz, and the Cubs would go on to win in 15 innings. And But the Saturday game is really where Andy Pratt's Based on balls, fireworks, I, I recall. Well, I don't like, Jesus. I, maybe it was just a tough strike zone. In those two games combined, he threw 22 pitches. He threw five strikes. You were exactly oh, right. He threw better five than strikes. I thought. Uh, in the second yeah. game, the one where he gave, he didn't give up any runs the first one. He pitched uh, two thirds of an inning and, and walked two, uh, got out of it. In the next one, he uh, did not record an out. And he, uh, he walked two, he gave up two runs. He threw um, he threw nine pitches and one strike. Oof! Yeah. So he just walked the two guys. They took him out, and somebody came in and gave up the runs after he left. Obviously, right. Well, he walked the two guys. He only threw nine pitches. Wow. Yeah. And I don't think he ever pitched again. So thank he you. pitched again for the Cubs. Grant. He got one more. He, try. he got one more shot. Um. He pitched um, on the 12th, two days later, pitched against the Pirates, and he didn't get anybody out again, and he walked two more guys. Oh, that one, he threw uh, nine pitches and none were, no strikes. So his wow. final, so at least, I can't tell from this, the, for the for the no, Cubs, but, for his career, 28% of the pitches he threw were strikes. But in his final his two appearances, yeah, he, he threw one strike 18 in 18 pitches. Out of 19 pitches, or 18 pitches, right? Attaboy. Wow. Attaboy. 17 out of 18 Good balls, yeah. Um, yeah. He got bad. traded um, for Ben Grieve. Oh, we got something out of it. Ben Grieve would make a big catch late in the season, slam his head in the wall. I think we talked about that before. He was the player to be named later. The Cubs On the 31st of August, the Cubs sent a player named later and some cash for Ben Greaves. Got it. And then four days later, that player name later was Andy Pratt, who I'm sure was lighting it up in Iowa. Well, but yeah, I mean, the Cubs defending champs, high hopes. They had all these players here, right? 
We've got uh, we've got upgrades. We don't really lose much. Yeah, they start they start three and three, but you know they had to open up with six on the road. So you know, I mean, it's a good team. And then they finally they finally come home. And there's a game I wanted to just uh, remember because I I think about it a lot. But the events of Friday, April sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, first is, Friday game of the season. This is this was the I thought the troubling from a fan reaction standpoint. Hundred percent. This I think was we're, really we're troubling point. now. Um, I'm sure I don't remember. You know, oh, um, by the way, RIP to the Cub Convention. Apparently, uh, it's never, oh, never coming no back. More, they, huh? They've canceled it again because the Ricketts don't want to get yelled. What at. am I going to do with these new sweatpants I just bought? Um, but I'm, I'm sure Dad and I went to the Cub Convention. Um, I'm sure it was fraught with. We're going to get them. It's. It, there was a feeling that that the um, 2003 season had never really ended. It just kind yes. of it kind of paused for a second. And the Cubs reloaded, and yep. there was way too much intensity in April. Hundred percent. Like and I got now we're going to get it. We're going to win every goddamn game, and we're going to. And this was a ridiculous, a really exciting finish. And the fans went nuts, like the Cubs had won the World Series. And it wasn't just they were happy. There was this like weird energy. Yeah. During the it, it was it was it was alarming. Wow. Okay. So that's not just my take because I, I'm happy to hear you say that and you articulated it better than I could. I just remember like, Jesus Christ, the fans are already at 60 miles an hour. It's April. Like, fuck, it's a long season. And it doesn't help that you got Chip Carey, who is absolutely in step with that sort of just unbridled and uncritical, just bloviating, you know, uh, and that game, by the way, folks, if you really want to subject yourself to what we're talking about, because I think it summarizes it. It's the first Friday game at Wrigley Field. All three and a half hours of it are on YouTube. And it's a crazy-ass game in which the Cubs were down 9-4 to four after the sixth inning. Uh, and I can, you know, spoiler alert, they do win, but not before some crazy things happen. But I, I, I'm happy for, that you've basically sort of set the tone of what was going on because it just it felt weird. It was like, okay, you know, we're close to the World Series. We hope to get back there. We got a good team. And holy shit, like, why are we acting like every goddamn inning is the most? Yep. Granted, this was a thrilling game, you know, I don't, and it was probably a, a, I think it was an unusually warm weather day, too. So, you know, sometimes that happens, but it wasn't just this game. But I think it was like every game around it, frankly. But this game is on YouTube, and you'll kind of see, like, what is it, October? And, like, yeah. it's not even opening day, but they're going crazy. So yeah, Everybody's bundled up, um, but there's the well, so Ivy's dead. Unseasoned. Well, I don't know that. Yeah. Let's see, it was, um, it was you know, all the, odds are it's going to be cold. So maybe it's one of those, if you watch, if you watch the replay of it, you'd be like, Oh, is this a late season game? Cause it, it looks cold there, but then you realize there's no Ivy. So no, it's not a late season right. game. Ivy's still in full bloom late in the year. So there was a thing that happened. I didn't remember that. I mean, I remembered how it ended, but I did not remember that when they were down, um, they were down 10, seven in the eighth and Todd Hollinsworth hit a two run Homer. Yeah. To make it 10 to nine. Hollinsworth would have huge. I'm going to give credit for Todd Hollinsworth before I crap on him. All within the same season, because yep. he was absolutely clutch. It was Sammy who got hurt, right? Did he sneeze? Was that what it was? He, he pulled a rib muscle when he sneezed. And Hollinsworth was an- another addition. We should add that was an improvement. He yeah. was a fourth outfielder, the guy who had won the World Series the year before with the Marlins. And then, right, exactly. With him and Lee got their rings in the Wrigley Cup. Ah, uh, that's right. That's and he was forced inside. into action when Sammy was out and he absolutely fucking helped carry the team, including this day. We could talk about the angels game later with a catch he made. Um, but 
Yeah, Hollinsworth had a big homer. Well, that um, Angels game, yeah. there's another great, there's an incredible well, it's story. A, it's a pragmatic story. We yes. talked about yeah. it. We'll, we'll, we'll give it its due because yeah. this is the season. But you're right. But not. But the Hollinsworth homer that made the game closer happened after an event that we both are eager to discuss um, that you won't probably readily find in baseball reference. But it happened. And, um, you know, it's it's a funny thing that happened that involved Johnny B. Baker. Cubs manager. Oh God, I didn't realize these were the same game. Holy crap! What else happened in this game? Well, that. Oh, I didn't sorry. realize. Yeah. I realized this yeah. happened plus the, the Holly Homer and then uh, Danny Graves trotting in to get the save and Sammy ties it and Moises wins it. Ben bad with back-to-back homers. I forgot. Yeah, I, this... I remember the back-to-back homers because then it was like, all right, fine, just have your fun. Fans. Yeah. So have we had remembered game. that. Um, not that this is still not research this crap. We did this minutes before we started. We remembered uh, I, we we're trying to place how many times this happened at Dusty, and so I, uh, I didn't I didn't just Google it. I went to Discipio and searched for it because that I mean the, the there is no finer chronicle of the 2004 season than Discipio.com. It, yeah, it's basically Wikipedia. Um, but I have a post on there from 2008. And it's relevant because in okay. the post it said, remember back on September 16th. Oh, I should have read this because then it's pretty obvious. Uh, when the Cubs won that wild game against the Resin, back-to-back homers in the ninth by Sammy and Moises. That game contained another famous moment when Dusty Baker's Cubs batted out of order in the seventh inning. Yeah. Remember Dusty going nuts and blaming the home plate umpire for misinterpreting how he wanted to double switch Ramon Martinez into the game. Dusty like stood on the tie. He didn't go out to the ump to tell him. Dusty sent Ramon in and then did the like hook him horns thing and like kind of like twisted his hand a little bit like. It's right. a double switch. Double switch. Which to yeah. dust, a lot of a lot of times umpires that's fine. Whoever the umpire was, I don't know. If it was CB Buckner we found okay. out. So well, in, that's in Dusty's defense, yeah. in Dusty's two, defense. You know, so you have two morons. You have CB right. and you have Dusty, there are no and winners. bad there things are, no are going to happen. Um. <laughs> so anyways, uh, and then there was a frenzy on the field. Dusty threw his hat and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember. Like, it's like Dusty. Everybody was swept up. It wasn't just the fans. I think too. I think it was, they just. It came out of the gate way too geeked. It was not sustainable. Right. So that happened in this game. But then the reason I wrote about it in 2008 was, this. what day was this? This was uh, May 12, 2008. So on May 11, 2008, I wrote, well, guess what happened to Dusty's Reds yesterday? <laughs> and I, I, I have a thing from, uh, from Hal McCoy at the Cincinnati Post. I remember um, Hal, Hal McCoy. He's a good guy. Reds batted out of order in the ninth. The play had no effect on the game, but made for an embarrassing end to an ugly day. That was my fault, Baker said. The lineup was right on the board and my, and on my lineup card, but I didn't catch it. Okay. Um, guess he owned it. The, the, but the best part of this is the two players that were involved for the Reds. Uh, David Ross went up to lead off the inning in the eighth spot, uh, but Corey Patterson was actually in the eighth spot in the batting order. <laughs> So uh, Willie Randolph did the right thing. You have to let the guy who's batting out of order, you have to let him bat. And Correct. Otherwise, bat. If you catch exist. it too early, the team's allowed to just replace him. A hundred percent. Ross flied out no. to right, and Willie came out and pointed out the error. Um, yeah. This is the best part. Corey ends up with the out then. So David well, Ross flew out for Corey Patterson. That was nice. <laughs> uh, there was a 12-minute delay while the umpire sorted things out. Um, and Dusty, uh, he was... Oh, the Dusty's excuse was in 08. The, his Even normal bench coach, Chris Spire, yep. 
was coaching third base because the regular third baseman, a uh, third base coach, um, had flown to Arizona to be with his ailing father. So oh. the guy who apparently Chris Spire was the bat in order coach. Oh, he wasn't sure. There, and so there was right. no way they could do it. So, da- so David Ross bumbled his way up to the to at bat and, right. and cut ahead. He to, cut ahead of Corey because he wanted to get an extra bat. Somebody had to point out to Dusty that how batting orders like actually go in sequence. So, uh, okay. honestly, I didn't even know. I just read it now that David Ross and Corey Patterson were going to be involved. That's wonderful. Oh, it just gets better. This is why we love remember this crap. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um. Yeah, it was it, yeah, a little too intense, uh, a little too soon. I'm scanning through. Uh, oh, I hope I didn't skip over any other games, but uh, unless there's anything else from this Friday afternoon, Cubs did win it, as you say, on back-to-back game tying and walk-off game-winning homers by uh, so- Alou and Sosa, or Sosa and Alou. Sammy then Moises. Okay, yeah, Moises. Moises did win the game. Um. And that got the Cubs red hot. Uh, they would lose the next two games. Hmm. No, so it didn't. Including one of them in ten innings. Uh, with Sweaty Joe took the loss. That would be a, a kind of a, a sign. Yeah, they got off to an uneven start. You know, there was a six-game winning streak there in April. So that right of the ship. But yeah, they start off six and six, which well, is and, okay. They're not going to panic. You know, so Sweaty had a very he had an abbreviated season. He got hurt. Um, yes, but he also was bad. Yes. But he's probably but bad because he could was have, hurt. Who could have foreseen either of those things? How did the your journeyman pitcher, who you bumbled into as a closer, how could you possibly think he might struggle the next year? And then on top of that, um, how about the fact that a guy that you basically threw out there every day for like th- the last three months of the season, that his arm would fall off? Oh, sure. There's no way right. to know that could happen. That's why you... Uh, don't go out and actually get a real closer. You spend plenty of money on your uh, bullpen, but you get Latroy and Merker, and don't go find a real closer because how would you need that for? Right, Latroy and Merker were the additions to a very thin bullpen, and although they, well, I mean, they didn't know this in December, but prior started the year in the DL, didn't he? Yes. And so, wow, I mean. Wood didn't surprisingly. He made a second and only opening day start. But but is this the second and final? Second and final. Is, I mean, is this the year when um, the I guess I could look this up. Uh, the Cubs had a game in L.A. It was like a getaway day game. It was a day game against the Dodgers. I think it was one where Dusty started like a ridiculously bad lineup. And the Cubs I think Caesar started. Yeah. One. But is that yeah. the game where the top of the second or the bottom of the second they go and Kerry is not standing on the mound anymore? There's a new picture. Oh, the, I, I know that happened at Dodger Stadium he, where he was like, "Nope, my arm, my arm just fell off." It's like, no, everybody's he, arms are falling off. Was it? A, it was a day game. The one you're, you, if we're thinking, there was a travel day. You said right? Yeah, I just don't know if both of them were. Um, well, it wouldn't be Thursday, May 13th. I don't think it was an 04. I think it was an 05. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing with Kerry, lots of years to pick from. Right. Right, lots of DL trips because you know at this point Kerry Woods in his well, what uh, but seventh that, season that day the May thirteenth game is the Dusty's getaway day lineup that that scored six runs in the second inning. This was the lineup: Tom Goodwin so in center yep. field, Jose Macias at second base. Uh, he did play Moises and Aramis, but Hollinsworth played right. I'm saying he might have either was resting or, uh, but Derek Lee played. But Ramon Martinez played short, yeah. and Paul Baco got to catch. Was and, Nomo uh, pitching for the Dodgers? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. So that scrub lineup on travel day salvaged, kept them from getting swept, right? Yeah. So you're going to say? Well, that and David Ross was catching for the Dodgers. All right. Now, do you know what happened the night before in Dodger Stadium? Uh, you will if you see the losing pitcher because you can only think of one thing, maybe, I would imagine, in Dodger Stadium and that pitcher. One unique event. Oh, God. So this was the Matt Clement, um, Alex Cora. Alex Cora, 19 foul pitch. balls and then a home run. Yeah. Yeah. That happened in 04. God. And it, it kind of cemented like Matt Clement. Like, I was appreciative of him giving two of his finer seasons of the Cubs, but there are things about him that never sat right with me. One, like, not really availing himself readily to pitch when he needed to be down the stretch, although he was well rested. And it just seems like just the type of wuss that would give up a homer to Alex Cora after failing to put him away after 18 pitches. Yeah, I mean, you at some point, you just hit him in the ass with the pitch and then move on. He took him yard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never thought we would cover that Dodgers getaway day, but I remember that because those back in the days when we'd be goofing around, you know, in our offices with the Discipio Gamecast. How about on yeah. – uh, how about on – on the next day, Friday, May 14th, they went to San Diego and Greg Maddox yep. outdueled uh, two former Cub stars, one who had returned, outdueled the great Ismail Valdez. Oh, wow. Ismail, I think I mentioned before. Ismail had changed the spelling of his name by then. It was now with a Z instead of an S. Was it? Was, is that right? Did he switch his name? Yeah, he changed, at some S point in his career, point? he uh, basically said, you know, you guys yeah. can spell my name. Old, old Blisters Valdez, yep. right? Um, the, the game after that, I'll tell you a fun thing that happened. I hope we don't have to go through every game. But I was at a wedding, and I remember watching this Saturday, May 15th. The Cubs would win the game. Sammy hits a homer in this game, but not before hitting a – this is the first year of Petco Park, I should add. They had, like, pretty big foul foul territory. Um, but in the uh, in this game, Sosa comes up. Uh, it was – I don't know what inning it was. It's whatever at-bat happens when he hits a homer. But he hits a long – foul pop down the third base line and uh Padres rookie shortstop Khalil Green. Oh yes. Blonde here yeah, blonde here blue eyed Khalil Green comes all the way over and drops the ball. And then on the next pitch Sosa hit I think it was like a go ahead home out. Well, I don't know what he All right, made. since we're going game by game, do you want to know what happened the next day? <laughs> no. Sammy, yes I do. Sammy sneezed and threw out his back. Bingo, full circle. And, and that I knew what happened to Petco, and I just looked, and he, he didn't play right that day, and he didn't play the next two days, so that had to be perfect. Had to be when he Well, hey, back. if we got to go through this whole damn schedule because that, that Anaheim series wasn't too far after. It was a few weeks. Let me make sure we don't skip over. So, yeah, from that point, Todd Hollinsworth. So, yeah, the Cubs play. They sweep the Padres, and the Padres were, I think, generally pretty good. I can't remember. Bochi was their no, he was probably still their manager. I don't know. Anyway, Cubs sweep them in brand new belt. And the Cubs are a good team. They're 22 and 15, but Sammy's out. But have no fear. Here comes Todd Hollinsworth. Yeah. Cubs tread water. Have a, actually, they have a pretty bad losing streak there. Get swept in Pittsburgh uh, right before Memorial Day. Oh! Memorial Day week. I guess we have to talk about the Friday, the Rob McCoyak Friday. That was kind of like it for Joe Borowski, right? So doubleheader on Friday, May 28th, 29th, or May 28th. And uh, Cubs go into the series kind of licking their wounds, uh, losing just two, really. Only, they just lost the two-game set in Houston. And uh, they're 25-20. and 20, So, you know, now we can get hungry. We're playing the Pirates. They suck. 
And in back-to-back games of a doubleheader, both ends of a doubleheader, Rob McCowiak, did he not have a walk-off on both? That would seem too insane. I think maybe he tied one think game. That's right. Didn't and, he have a baby? Yeah, maybe. He's also from the south side. He I walked, mean, off, he walked off game one. Off, off, a, off, off a sweaty Joe, yeah. I remember I was driving up to Monaco. Yeah, so wait, how many hits did he have in that game? Because he had quite a he had a career in a day. Uh, oh, he's only one for five, but with four RBIs in the first game. Okay. And then in game wow. two, um, what did he do? Oh, he That's didn't even walk- start. Did he, a pit, did he hit another walk-off? Walk yeah, it's a walk-off win. So he walked off. Yeah. No, he... Yeah. It was he not a tied, home run. He tied the game in the bottom of the ninth off of Latroy. Uh, um, that's a, that's some then, foreshadowing. Uh, uh, Craig seen. Wilson, remember the little Captain Caveman? He was another Caveman yeah, guy. He had great defensive teeth. shortstop with those awful teeth. He they had uh, two they He had hit the Jack first Wilson pitch too. of the bottom of the tenth inning off of uh, Francis Beltran for a home run. Uh, the Cubs got yeah, stopped. he looks like a malnourished, sleep deprived like Dickens character. I think, I think Bacovia, he hit the walk-off, uh, went, ran, ran over the hospital, wife had the baby, and then he just he came back, and he's like, hey, I'm a new father. You want to pinch it? Sure. And he hits a home run, and yeah. he went back to the hospital again. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. Uh, in which game here? In the uh, – this is game two. Um, was this a major league debut? Um, no, For he played who? the year before. Dave Kelton played in the game for the Cubs, but he had played the yes, game yeah. before. Well, I've mentioned it before. In his major league debut, I was listening to this game on the radio in 03. I think it was in Baltimore in an early game. Dusty had him come up in like the fifth inning and had him try to lay down a sacrifice. Good. It's fucking cruel. Good. Dave Kelton, though. Good call. And then uh, the, the Cubs did uh, see Josh Fogg, former White Sox. I mean, it, it was kind of brutal there. The Cubs could not get out of their own way against Pittsburgh, but they finally, because they were a better team, take it out of the Pirates, the 12-1 win, to salvage it, and then, hey, let's get underway. But they struggled. I mean, you look at LL, WW, they couldn't get on track. And, yeah, and then they, the Anaheim, we should probably, because there's a whole – I don't know if there's anything in between there. I mean, you know, they play the Cardinals at home and they lose two out of three. That's annoying. Especially since one Morris. of the losses, one of the games is Matt Morris beats Mark Pryor. Yes. And the, yes. The and they crush Pryor. What did, yeah. We're already dealing with the, we don't know at the time, but we're dealing with the husk of Mark Pryor. I got to find out when Pryor made his debut in 04. It's just so ridiculous. Was, he's 0 he 1 with that loss. That could have been it. Uh, okay. Three and two thirds, five hits, five runs, five walks, one strikeout. That's not. That's he, not Mark. He, he was Pryor. already not the same. He would put together good numbers. I went. We'll we'll tally it up at the end. But oh, look at the it, this the, the Cardinals pitching line that day was just full of old favorites. Matt Morris got the win. Remember Kiko Calero? He I got do. a hold. Ray King, former Cub. Yep. He got a hold. Uh, another former Cub, Julian Tavares, and then everybody's favorite, the guy who finished up, Steve Klein. Oh God! What an awful God. fucking person, Steve Klein. Yeah, just a borderline human. Just something. Yeah, that, that whole team, so annoying. So where were they? Did you have the box? I'm wondering where were they at the end of that uh, end of that day. I'm gonna pull it back of that series. So they, well, actually, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. The Cubs took two out of three, right? The only loss was the Morris Priors. So yeah. I had no. They split a four-game series, so still yeah. annoying. That thirty-one and twenty-nine. 
Yeah, Thir- well, no, annoyed. thirty-one to twenty-eight. Then they headed off to uh, to Anaheim, and the first game would be a matchup of John Lackey against Greg Maddox. Excellent. So those the so, the the, the, the with Homer and the Greg Maddox thing didn't obviously did not happen in the same game because I mean the Cubs lost. Well, it wasn't a Hollinsworth homer. You're not going to find it. It was a catch he made. Oh, that's right. That's right. Was that in this game? But, I thought that was in a win. No, it was the Saturday. It wasn't All a win. Right. Uh, was they have an extra inning win in there? Yeah, yeah. it was the extra inning game. You're not going to find it in baseball. So, yeah, let's hone in on Greggy's start on Friday night when I already mentioned Vladimir Guerrero at the top. Not Well, I couldn't figure he'd come up. But by now, you know, here I am, Hector Guerrero, 1998, on opening day against the Expos, and he's already now – uh, become a top star, and he's in the first year of rich new contract, no longer an expo. He's in Anaheim. And Greg Maddox is with the Cubs, and Maddox, of course, had spent six years probably just running circles around the kid, but also wary of him, knowing his strengths, studying him as Maddox would do as he became a greater player. So Maddox probably had some dominion over Guerrero, but had to keep working his ass off and studying to keep it that way. And I'm sure Guerrero maybe hit him a few times. Had to have. He's a Hall of Famer. And there's an at-bat in this game. And, and you can find it because there's extra bases. Yep, there it is. And you can probably just break down the description. But, what, again, what baseball reference will tell you is that in that at-bat where Guerrero, what does he do? He hits he hits one off the wall off of Maddox. And it was on either a 2-2 or 3-2 pitch. Um, uh, it was uh, he singled to center. He may have hit. The it was ball. just a single. I right, saw so in my mind but it was the story. The, the thing that makes the story famous because it's 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 not a huge moment in the game. There's one out. No. He adds up, uh, but on a one-two pitch, Maddox throws one of those little backup. Um, I don't even know what it was like, um, and Girl he doesn't. Throws. And right, for, completely fr- freezes Vladdy. It's strike three, and the ump calls it a ball. And Maddox, who rarely gets mad, is pissed. They throw the ball back, and he literally like snaps the ball out of the air, and he's yelling. And, and, and I remember watching this as a fan at the time, like being enraged. I'm like, yeah. he got him because Maddox was getting by more and more on guile. Yeah. Anyway. And on the next pitch, Guerrero singled. He ended up stealing second, and then um, Jose Guillen tripled, and Casey Kochman uh, got a base hit. So he ended up Greg ended up giving up um, a couple of runs. I dare say Greg may have gotten a little rattled, but there's a reason for it. So at some the the story, I don't even know if the story was told after the game. It's just one that's been passed down. I read about it a couple years later. Yeah, he gets asked. He got asked why he was so mad, and Greg said, in, in the only way Greg could, he said, "I've been." He goes, "I've been setting him up for that pitch for eight years, for eight and years. I made it, and I didn't get the call." Yep, eight years, and he he's not kidding. Him. And we've talked about it before. We, you know, I could do a whole remember this crap. Greg Madden, it would be six years, one. but yeah, same thing. Um about one of his famous things was he gave up a in a game that the Braves were way ahead he gave up a long home run to Jeff Bagwell the spoil a shutout and he got asked about it later and he said well that's a tough way to lose a shutout he's like I don't care he's like what do you mean he's like I threw him a pitch that when I need to get him out I will never throw he said but hitters only remember what they hit he goes he'll look for that pitch for the next five years yeah, I will always think about that. The Guerrero's hit because I saw it real time, and I didn't read. I don't think I read about it for a couple of years. And somebody harkened. He may have answered that after the game, but I just remember reading him break that down a couple of years later. And I'm like, I remember that at bat, and you did have him, and you, you know, in the fact that he took six years to set him up for it, it's just, it's just peak Maddox. Well, and we remembered it because Greg got mad, and it was so weird. 
Yeah. Like it's the yeah. fourth inning of a game. It's it's a yeah. two to one game. What's he pissed for? Well, that's why he was pissed. I mean, you can even you can still picture it. Him because when Greg would get mad, he would like his hat would end up like on the back of his head, and then he snaps at the thing, and then he goes, then he has to stomp over the mound and like yeah, his hat yeah, and then yeah. he immediately composes himself. It lasts like ten seconds, but you, right. know, you do see it. Yep. 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 And then uh, in Anaheim on Sunday, the Cubs actually close out a series win with the aforementioned Hollinsworth making some ridiculous catch to keep the game going. Cubs win in extra innings, 33-29. and 29. And I look, too, after that St. Louis split, they were only about three games out. But it's, you know, uh, it's only it, it's right, But then June. they go, so they leave Anaheim, and they go to Houston for four games. Yeah. And they win them all. Yeah, they beat Roger Clemens, one of them. And that's the Jimmy Anderson save, maybe. It is. So... Yeah, it picks up from prior. prior Clemens, Anderson gets the save right after the game. He gets traded. Uh, he gets traded to the Red Sox ben for a guy named Alan Shipman. Oh, sorry. No, oh, uh, Andy Pratt got traded for Ben. Grieve. Sorry, my bad, my bad. And I can only imagine that the Red Sox, who were making, who were about to break their long curse, were like Jimmy Anderson is the final piece. Did you see the four inning save he just got against? Yeah, that's the right. Astros. That's the guy we need, and it worked because they won the World yeah. Series there. It's all because they traded for Jimmy Anderson. No doubt. June. No doubt. So, and then uh, and then the Cubs get an exciting interleague series coming in on Friday when I think the entire triumvirate of uh, Mulder, Hudson, and Zito came into town. I'm pretty sure they started all three games. And I went to the Saturday game, went with my in-laws. Friday was Mark Mary- Redman. The the only okay. the only Marlins starter that they could routinely uh, bludgeon in the right. playoffs, and that old and they Jack beat him, and he beat got him the hell out of came back with yes. Oakland and beat him, and he was the only one to beat them because I think they they beat either Mulder or Hudson on Saturday. They didn't beat him. They won an extras, and I only bring this game up because it was just an exciting. It was genuinely exciting, even though it was only June. It's just an exciting game. Mark Mulder. Uh, it, Mark Mulder doesn't like me. No, he got Sorry very, to hear he that. got very mad at me on Twitter. Wrote, I don't remember what I don't remember what I I don't even remember my original smart ass tweet back to him. Um but he in his defense to me he basically said something about his World Series ring. Well he won a World Cardinals? he won a World Series with the Cardinals and he didn't pitch. In fact yeah, I don't think he, he bragged pitched, about it. I don't think he pitched not just in the World Series, I don't think he pitched in the season. Okay. So it's like all right, fuck off, Mark. He's a prick. Everybody yeah. knows he's a prick. There's going to be lots of pricks uh, in this podcast. Uh, there sure are, especially as we, you know, Chris that would have been oh six. He did. He didn't. He was. He was uh, six and seven. I think I made fun of his seven point one four ERA that year that they won the World Series. Sure, that was very good. Yes, and he did not uh, pitch in that playoffs at all. But good on you, Mark Mulder. You're well, the sure. so, the, so the Cubs beat him on. Is he he must have started the Saturday game. Well, I don't know if it was I guess him it or, uh, yeah, it's, it was one of the, I'm pretty sure because, you know, Oakland was stacked then, right? And this is a few years after Moneyball. Uh, and then this is when people started going, well, if Billy Bean, you know, everyone says Billy Bean, OP, you know, on base. I mean, so they did have good three, you know, three good pitchers, you know, like, well, I'll be a genius on Moneyball if I had, you know, Hudson, Mulder, and Zito. They were like this triumvirate. They never won anything, of course, but they were very well recognized at the time. They were, Mulder did pitch the Saturday game. He did. Okay. And so, yeah, a game that I was at, and it was a tight, closely pitched game. Cubs are down one nothing in the ninth inning, and I don't know how they got they got two runners on or whatever. But then Michael Barrett, uh, new catcher, hits 
just uh, slams one the opposite field right over the first base, right down the line, all the way into the corner. And it allowed Todd Walker to score from first. It was kind of iconic, I would say, at the yeah. time, because Walker had a you know, it, it, it's exciting, right? What is it like? You know, home runs exciting, but really a triple is exciting, which means really an inside the park homer is really the most exciting play. Well, and it was a, it was a Fox game. Yeah, national, national television. TV. But like, whenever a game can end with like, there's all that action. There's like a guy, oh. you know, people running 360 or you know, 200 uh, or 180 feet, 270 feet. Outfielder sprinting to get a ball, and make a good, accurate throw. A guy's catching it. All of that is going on like clockwork. And you know, Todd Walker comes all the way from first, just ahead of the throw at the plate, slides head first, and uh, we we're we we're going bananas. Was, that was uh, off of Chad Bradford. Yeah, the closer. Uh, Actually, it was it was um, the uh, A's were up three to two going into the ninth. Mulder had scattered ten hits over eight innings and in, in two runs. Prior, oh yeah, I was thinking of the Saturday game. Sorry, Prior had, right. uh, Another another game that Pryor started. He gave up three runs in five innings. He wasn't pitching very deep. Dusty must have been killing Dusty to take him out. Eighty-five pitches. He's just yeah. getting warmed up. Right. Right. Yeah, Cubs are in the midst of a little hot streak. Then they close out the series by, you know, the A's are perennial. Playoff team, they beat Zito, they beat Zito the next day. Uh, and then they go to St. Louis. And I have to stop here just for two quick games. The first game I remember so well, and it's a game that I always think of about how much I love Aramis Ramirez. Uh, otherwise, nondescript Tuesday night game in June. And my my – Baseball reference is a little slow, but I'm, I was curious where the Cubs stood in relation to the Cardinals going into this game. Uh, there couldn't have been that much separation, but okay. yeah, no, Cubs are a game back or two games. Back. They're right there. All right, so because the Cardinals would pull away. And I remember playing, I think we had softball practice. I don't think we had a game, but I remember being at some bar up in like on Damon Avenue by uh, Winnemac Park with some of the guys I was playing with. And the Cubs were trailing. The top of the eighth, and, the, and La Russa goes with Isringhausen. And uh, I don't know if you found the game, and I'm happy to, oh, yeah. to follow it through. I just remember Ramirez, who just, you know, just one of the most timely clutch hit. Honestly, I know it's, he, he, you know, didn't do anything in the 07-08 playoffs and really didn't do that much in 03 other than the Grand Slam. But it just seems like year in and year out, he never gave away at bats. He'd make pitchers work. And this time, uh, down a run. He does the uh, the ever exciting uh, game tying and go ahead uh, two RBI uh, double off of Isringhausen with two out in the eighth, and then fucking Farnsworth and who's who we got now we got Latroy. Latroy I think Borowski's it. done now yep. because in my in my memory Borowski pretty much faded away after the McCoyak disaster, but in this game they got Latroy closing it out didn't have that much trouble but I just. It just felt so good. It's like, you know, get rid of St. Louis. We already got rid of him last year. And then that was like the high point. It never was like that. The next day I was on the road. I think I was in Kentucky for work. And I remember being at my hotel bar watching the game the next night. I think Todd Walker may have hit a home run in this game. And the Cubs had a lead on the Cardinals again. So a pretty good lead maybe too. And all I remember about this game is that A, Kyle Farnsworth shit the tub. And that B, Kent Merker acted like a complete fucking idiot and got ejected. I remember, why are you acting like, like, why are you like losing your shit? Like he pitched poorly and he was bitching about the umpire. And that is a, another example of foreshadowing. And I remember watching that game in the bar and just being disgusted. I mean, you had a chance to take the first two games, 
You stole the game last night. You hit a big lead this night, and you blew it. And that would just be a fucking microcosm of how things went, really for the Cubs in general, but the Cubs vis-a-vis the Cardinals. I think the underrated thing about this series in uh, June of 2004 was the fact that it's a the Saturday game. Is it Saturday? Really? I don't know. It's, it's a, no, it's, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. Tuesday game. The Tuesday night game, the one the Aramis game. Yes. Um, was a matchup of f- future Hall of Fame catchers. Yadi Molina hitting 225 and Paul Baca hitting 213. Oh, of course. That a boy, Gabor. <laughs> nice call. And for anybody wondering why why I'm calling Paul Baco Gabor, well, just look his name up and you'll see why. It's his just showing some respect. Yes, yeah, his mama named him Gabor. I'm gonna mama named him Gabor. Gabor. I'm gonna name him Gabor. Right. <laughs> I still remember so, the day the day I found that out. That was just a gift from heaven. But, Gabor. But, right. But yeah, so that that was a taste of, uh, and of course, right on the eve of the, actually, the game where Kent Merker and Kyle Farns with the bullpen shit the tub and started to let the Cardinals back in was uh, um, the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the Sandberg game. Way to go, fellas. That's yeah. another act of foreshadowing how much they would just crap on legacy. And I'm going to just call it out because I remember driving back from Kentucky the next day, listening to the game the next day when they lost the series. And I want to say Cesar Asturias made like three errors in the first couple innings, was it Cesar Sturz or Ray Ordonia? Sorry, I get those two confused. Ray Ordonia. That would have been Ray Ordonia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and he, the, guy, like, the only so, thing he could do in the big leagues was field. Correct. And then that's, he couldn't do that. He got released so, after that game, right? Well, no, not right away. He played. I remember he was crying in the post game, supposedly. So it's just a really frustrating series that started off on such a good note, man. Ramirez steals a win from them, and then they jump out to a big lead in the second game, and they and they the bullpen pisses it away, and then starts fighting with the umpires again, foreshadowing, and then they have a chance to save face and take the rubber match, and it, you know, and they just can't. It was that series, probably a microcosm of the season. So they leave there, and so, then yeah. they have to go to the emotionally fraught um, crosstown. Series they then so that was their road trip. They went to Seattle. They went to St. Louis and Comiskey or whatever the fuck it was at the time. Nice, nice. Where they lost two out of three. Frustrated. Prior won the opener and Carlos and Greggy got beat by I don't even know who Diaz is. Felix Diaz. Uh, And and that was that. That's a Comiskey. Yeah, and those games were always like extra, like the. Sox fans were actually showing up at their park. They had to had, yes. to, they had to get directions so they remember how to get there. And then they'd be all pissed that there were Cub fans there. I already said that 0-2, we went into it when uh, Kerry Wood walked the ballpark with a 8 nothing lead and the Cubs lost going away that I would never, ever go to a Cubs-Sox game at Comiskey. And I still haven't. So, and so, yeah, this is at this point, I'm I'm done with that series. It, it was fun in the beginning, and... After after so many years, it wasn't so. I don't even remember them losing that series. No. It had to piss me off though. The Sunday game, uh, the renowned uh, drug trafficker uh, Stevie Loiza Esteban Ooh. beat Greg Maddox. Oh, I don't know how many okay. years? It's, Stevie's in a Mexican prison, I believe. I believe so. That's, I don't think that'd be a place I'd want to be. Um, uh, no, especially after uh, being what the the first. Mexican 20-game winner oh, in out. so long that he was... Oh, he's out. He's out. All right. Well, he, he made, he made out, a lot of money. 20, he'll be back. He got out in 2021. 
How ex-A's pitcher went from all-star to imprisoned drug dealer. Was he not a white side? Here's all another. Star? These are the headlines. These are great if you're Esteban Loaiza. The next headline, how Esteban Loaiza blew $44 million before massive cocaine bust. <laughs> I looked it out. Good job. Um, I will tell you that the following Friday, July 2nd at Wrigley Field, was the first time in however many years that a Friday game at Wrigley Field did not start at 220. It went back to what all the other that because Esteban pitched for the White Sox. Is it because he was he he had some business to take care of and he couldn't? I can't make 120. He had to be done at 420. Um, he only had three hours 1225 local time. Well, I thought it was 125. That's off. I think what I remember is that I was working and I was had to go to the warehouse, uh, to, to pull some skids and the warehouse manager, I thought he was messing with me. He was like, Oh, the game's on and they're thrown at each other. I think there was a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, tension early in that game. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's only a 157. Game didn't start till 220. And then I was like, Oh, wait, they start at 120. I'm surprised it said 1220 in that thing. Maybe they re- revert to everything Eastern time. Well, why wouldn't they? Why would it be unusual to not start at 120? Because for years, somewhere after like lights settled in, remember Dallas Green oh, yeah, was three hundred five. Well, three hundred five start. So you don't remember this, but I would say I'm going to just say let's say from like 1991. So it's only that maybe that not that long, but two through 2003, every Friday Cubs game was at not one twenty, not three hundred five, but two twenty. Two twenty, yeah, because the the A's game was two twenty. I don't remember that. Yeah, and that was the last one, and then. It was like a novelty in its own right, which meant like, hey, if you work downtown, you can only have, you can maybe take off in the afternoon. It was, you know, part of that weird tradition where the Cubs generally don't play. They played three oh five last Friday. Actually, I had shades of Dallas Green in my head because they never schedule games. Sometimes they do on Saturdays, three oh five, but just uh, absolute trivial, pointless fact that Friday, July second was when huh. they finally went back to 120 games on Friday after like a 12-year run. The Cubs won, so maybe that's why. The Cubs would um, the Cubs would sweep those three against the Sox. Sox. Yeah. The last one was a walk-off. Is this like, do we have a Derek White home run in these? I can't remember what year. No, that's did. 98. I was at that game. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was a Todd right. Walker uh, walked. Oh, yeah. With yeah, the bases loaded against, pitcher. against yeah. Dumbasso Marte. Oh, some reason I thought it was the Japanese. Pitcher. Well, Shingo had came. Shingo had uh, gave up a single, an yeah, intentional walk, and a walk. They took him out, and Marte walked. Yeah. Walker. That's right. Todd Walker with a walk-off walk. Sounds good. Like they had tied walk. the game off of Latroy. Uh, El Caballo, Carlos Lee hit a homer in the Cup. top of the ninth, and the Cubs Cup walked killer. it off in the bottom. Okay. Sweep the series. That was, what was a Sunday Shingo? Night he was Agent Zero. Wasn't that his nickname? Yeah, right? That just seems racist. That game was a Sunday night game, too, I know. And then uh, I don't even remember when the Cardinals came back to Wrigley, but they take two out of three. That, I, you know, just uh, annoying because they're pulling away now. Well, so, you know, so the we, Cubs, well, so the Cubs, they had, they won the last game of the against the Astros. Then they sweep yes. the White Sox. They, all right, here we go. They got some momentum. They go to Milwaukee. They get swept. <laughs> then yeah. they lose. They have to go back to St. Louis, and they lose two out of three. Yeah, five game losing streak right there, and they're forty six and forty on July tenth. So frustrating. Yeah. Six games over five hundred, 
and uh, you know you're halfway through the season. Not uh, it's, it's it's just uh, fits and starts. It's you know with all the expectations, it's starting it's starting to get annoying, right? Like everyone's celebrating the World Series with every base hit in April, and then the reality sets in. It's a long season, and they're just I don't know playing under the increasing weight of all of it. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to let them off the hook, but well, one of the things uh, we, didn't, we didn't talk about early in the early season. Uh, and honesty compels me. Okay, Chip. Say, was do you remember what the most in, in April for those home games? What the crowd liked to chant? Oh yes, he sop choy. <laughs> he sop choy. Derek Lee got off to what we we learned would be uh, his traditional April start at the end of April. Yeah. The Cubs' prized acquisition was hitting two thirty three with two homers and eleven RBIs. Uh, and it struck out 21 times in 21 years. That's not too bad. Um, but yeah. once May came around, he hit, uh, and then from the, hit yeah. 275 in May. He hit 385 in June. He hit 280 in July. He hit 270. And he then, like the rest of the team, he hit 217 in September. Well, yeah. But we had already learned to love him by then. Because he was. Well, he was, like, the coolest guy. No, he, he, big, big D-Lee fan. We've been gifted with first baseman through the years. Yeah, after well, the Cubs we're, sell... We're, we're done with that, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, for, uh, yeah, for the foreseeable future. You're right. Boy, so nothing on the, nothing Matt, on the horizon. Mash Mervis shows up. Then, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Who, by all we'll accounts, see. will make Frank Schwindel look like Jeff Bagwell defensively yes. in first base. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Oh, shit. All right. Well, when the Cubs uh, salvaged the last game of that uh, game in the series at Wrigley, July July eleventh, uh, they are now seven games behind the Cardinals. So they they went from after that Aramis pinning Isringhausen's ears back before Merker and Farnsworth and the bullpen shit the tub. They were only what a game out, I think. So within like two weeks, all of a sudden they're 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 seven games out. Um, there were some fans that had already given up, but I'm like, fuck that, fuck the Cardinals. But you know, Cardinals got hot. They won a shitload of games that year. Yeah, they were game out on June 22nd, and then then they yeah. went to two out, three out, four out, five out, um, and then if you jump ahead, not very long, within a month, they were ten games out. Yeah, and you think well, that's well nine games in a month. Yeah, that's a lot of ground to lose in one month. Nine freaking yeah. games. Yeah, that five-game losing streak, just poorly timed. But all right, whatever. We can set our sights. Oh well, yeah, the, the five-game losing streak. The lead goes there. They go from uh, three down three. to four down to five down yeah. to six down to seven down to eight down. So basically, yeah, the Cardinals had won every day that the Cubs lost, and they swept the Cubs. Well, and so two of them, well. two of those in there were Cardinal wins. Hey, Cubs won the final game of that. Oh, that's right. They didn't sweep the Cubs. Kerry but... would be Chris Carpenter. Yeah, actually, they didn't. Yeah, oh. what'd you find? Was this the game? Uh, is this the game Carpenter blew up, blew out his elbow? Uh, it's a Sunday I, night. I thought Carpenter pitched later in the season against the Cubs. When? See, I don't remember that. Oh, he must have because he they wouldn't have made the World Series if he had gotten hurt there. That's true. So that was just a just a routine drubbing of Chris Carpenter, not nothing historic. Right. Normally, he seemed to have their number. He so did. yeah, yeah. Because I remember a game he pitched against him. I want to say later on where 
the Cubs are in retrospect really more on his like 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 their new dumbass meatball catcher was like jawing with the Cardinals and like Carpenter's jawing with Sosa. But it started it just turned, I guess, in like by mid June. It wasn't fun. It started it stopped being kind of fun, frankly. That summer was kind of you know, next thing you know, we're in August. The Cubs are ten and a half out, and nothing, no, no, no games are standing out except they they inexplicably lose two out of three from to San Diego at home. I remember August tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. I just remember the rubber match. It's like no, like stop fucking around and win this game. Like they, they, I think Khalil Green just hits a ball in the hole to tie it in the ninth, and they just. They're letting games slip away. The Cardinals are running with the division. And you're at that point now, right, where you're just trying to convince yourself, you know, no, this team's really good. They just, you know, we just got to get in. But really the evidence since June and really all season is just pointing to uh, they just don't have it. And I didn't mean to jump into August without, like, with by skipping over the trade deadline because they did make a big addition. I don't remember that. Okay, so before we get to that, Sorry, I was just rambling. No, that's good. We're about, we're what, halfway? Yeah, we're, we're pretty good. We're probably going to spend a lot of time in September, at least the last two weeks. So. so now seems like a good time to say, the NFL's opening week was action-packed and is just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? I do. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. How's that work? This Sunday, you bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Now, when did, when could we think of an example where that happened? Oh, that's right. It happened to the 49ers. They got up 10 nothing on the Bears. Bears. So here's, here's what I think you should do. Do you think the Packers are going to get up 10 points on the Bears at any point on Sunday night? Of course they are. So you bet the Packers. The Packers get up 10 nothing. There is a chance of thunderstorms on Sunday night. Thunderstorms come in. The Bears, who are the best mutter in the NFL, come back, win True. the game, but you've already won your bet. So you, you, you win the bet, and you get to watch the Bears win. So wait, can I ask, not to interrupt the read, but uh, you bet the Packers. Is that your free bet? If you also bet the Bears seemingly hedging against yourself, you don't get the $10 incentive, but if they cover the spread or however you bet, you still win that? Is that uh, so? You're gonna you're gonna go onto the app and you're gonna look yes, for the early uh, win promotion and you're gonna hit, you're gonna promotion. opt in and then Take the Packers with that promotion. and then you're gonna pick, make a money line pick. It's gotta be the money line. Got it. So you're gonna pick the Packers. Okay. You're gonna pick that. You lock that bet in. Then you can bet on anything else you want. But, but you can go back bet the Bears either money yeah. line or the spread. But you're not. Then... That's not part of the early win promotion. Now you're just making bets now. Right. No, I'm just telling you how to do it in case you were paying attention last Sunday. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code POINTLESS to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code POINTLESS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for this episode of the podcast for details. Oh, you don't have to read the URL? This The disclaimer is... Uh... Extensive. You would not want me to try to read this. A lot of phone numbers, a lot of web addresses. So just you can go read it in the show notes. All right. So the thing I remember about the trade deadline 
was a couple of things. One of them was um, we had a, we were juggling a couple of things. Number one, the Cubs. It's like all right, they're they're in a the division's lost, but they're in a battle for the wild card. And it doesn't. We just saw a wild card team win the World Series the year before. It's just get in. Who cares how you? Get and the, in? the Cubs themselves were an eighty-eight win team that won a soft division. Just get it. yeah, exactly. And I didn't even. We should have looked for what day this happened. Honestly, I just don't. I don't care enough. The Cubs were in uh, were in need of a shortstop. Because their shortstop. Do you remember when Alex Gonzalez broke his arm? I was there. He got, his wrist. He, he got hit by a pitch. Yep. The ump said it didn't hit him. Correct. And he broke his arm. He stayed in, did not take his base, struck out, and then went on the DL with a ball that did not, according to the umpire, break his that did not hit him. So the hot oh. shortstop name on the market was the Montreal Expos shortstop, Orlando Cabrera. Just so you know, oh, so this is like you're pushing the timeline back a few months. This is not right because Gonzalez no, this was, was healthy. The, the, the rumor, well, yeah, but the Cubs were like, okay, we, yes, Gonzalez got broke his arm. The Cubs muddled along with Ray Ordonez and Ramon Ro- Martinez, Ramon Martinez, and yeah. any other. You know, Gonzalez came back because he was, yeah, he, he came back, but he sucked. And uh, the Cubs were like, all right, we need a, we need a real shortstop. So the, a lot of tr- lot of rumors that they were the leader in the clubhouse for Orlando Cabrera because the Expos were doing Expo things and shedding players and getting ready playing to, in Puerto Rico, ready, ready to yeah. shut it down. And well, that it. happened in 04. All right, never mind. The Puerto Rico game. Sorry, yeah, there was a that the, that's the game where uh, Jose Macias uh, yes just hit a ball that bounced on the turf of uh, what is it here on Boca Chica <laughs> Stadium. Former Cub. Sorry. Former Cub, Hiram Bukajika. Anyway. Still the greatest uh, Puerto Rican baseball player of all time. Much okay. Better than, much better than Yadier Molina. And, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Tavi's Puerto Rican, but, you know, he went to high school uh, in California, or in Florida, and Francisco Lindor went to high school in Florida, so it's still hard. Right, they're New Yorkers and Floridians, yeah. Um, so the the lot of lot of trade rumors and the trade deadline was in the late afternoon and the Cubs on a Saturday Cubs finished up uh, a tough loss to Kevin Millwood and the uh, and the Phillies and the trade deadline came and went and there was no news and Dusty sat in the cramped little interview room didn't even have his kid on his lap this time and somebody said are you disappointed you didn't make any trades and Dusty goes who said we didn't make any trades oh Dusty knew. And they said, oh, is there? He said, you know trades can get announced after the deadline as long as the paperwork's turned in. And then Dusty got up, answered a few more questions, got up and left, and it wasn't too much longer before yeah. word leaked out that there had been this ridiculous three-team trade. Four, three, four, four team. team trade. Four team. Minnesota um, Twins were involved because they're the ones who ended up with the Justin Jones sweepstakes, yeah. who was another one of the Cubs prospects that we were very, some of us were very excited about. So the trade ended up being... Nomar Garciaparra and Matt Merton to the Chicago Cubs uh, from the yep. Red Sox. The Twins sent Doug the Eichart Mankiewicz to the Red yep. Sox. The Expos sent Orlando Cabrera to the Red Sox. And the Cubs sent Frankie Beltran, Alex Gonzalez, and Brendan Harris to the Expos. And then to complete the trade, the Cubs sent Justin Jones to the Twins. That's why it had to be a 14 trade. The Twins just had to have Justin Jones. Well, and the Red Sox had to have Mankiewicz. Wow. 
But Brendan Harris, God, I don't think his name has come up once. Now, Brendan Harris, there was a this. If you want to know what the history of prospect perverts, yeah, there was we, a prospect we were, pervert there, who, during Brendan Harris's rookie season, said he was going to be the next Albert Pujols. He had never seen a player tear up the Midwest League. He said, like, say, he said it about him, it was like Brendan, like yeah. Albert Pujols, yeah. except for Brendan Harris. Uh, I mean, just talk about short sighted. It's like two years after pool holes. Like, there's going to be another one right yep, away. Just coming right up. Uh, two years after pool holes' debut, I should clarify. So it wow. was. It was. It was. So it was a monumentally exciting day because the Cubs were getting. They were just getting a new shortstop. They were getting a superstar, a former exactly right champion, an MVP, rookie Nova. of the year '97. Yep. And they were getting him from their future franchise savior, Theo Epstein. It was like, yeah, get him out. Sure. Yep. Um, Nomar had broken his wrist um, in spring training. Is that right? Uh, I don't remember. That sounds like Sandberg in 93. Yeah, I don't uh, remember that. Yeah, he was. And he had, so he had only played 38 games for the Red Sox. Uh, okay. But he was hitting 321 with a 367 on base and a 500 slugging. So he was still he was a great hitter. Player. He had 200 hits as a rookie, I think. So yeah, yeah. He had won. Um, I guess he never was MVP. He finished second. He was he was rookie of the year. He um, he won back to back batting titles. He had three fifty seven in nineteen ninety nine and three seventy two in two thousand. Yeah. Um, dude, dude, dude could mash. He ended up his career as a three thirteen career hitter. He in fact, at at this point, he was still probably considered pretty much uh, very much the equal of Jeter and Rodriguez. You know, the, there was a oh, the American League shortstop. Yeah, he was. He was better than Jeter. Yeah, well, statistically. At the time, yeah, he, they, everybody they still thought all... it went A-Rod, Nomar, Jeter, and then but the injuries way, derailed all... Nomar to the point where Jeter right, Jeter right climbed above Nomar, and then A-Rod did his weird A-Rod shit, and Jeter just kept winning, and Jeter ended up... I mean, everybody knows but A-Rod's a better player, but Jeter... Well, and I, I think Nomar, yeah, Nomar wasn't able to keep up because he's not even an arguable Hall of Famer, is he, right? I mean... So, oh, he doesn't but, have any of the. He had 229 career homers. He had 313. Yeah, he had 383. Really good player. Yeah, but yeah. and he's a shortstop, even though he he wasn't as effective there because so he wasn't. There were some question marks, but it was still, hey, well, fucking take it because Alex Gonzalez suck. I mean, Alex Gonzalez was a very good defensive shortstop. Uh, you know, game six notwithstanding, but uh, so it was a downgrade defensively. But it's like, oh shit, we got. Now, no, we got one of the best shortstops in the game all around, at least. He can still play it somewhat. So he Nomar shows up, and he's ready to play the next day. Yeah, hits into a double play in his first at-bat. And do you remember what number he was? It was not five? Nope. And he played one game with a different number. Is that because Ruben Amaro wouldn't That's let him? because I, who, Michael Barrett was number five. Oh. And Michael's like, but if I don't have five, what do I wear? Yeah. Like it was, it So was Nomar was eight. He took Alex Gonzalez's old eight, and then him and uh, – him and they, sw- uh, they switched later. Barrett switched the next day. Okay, just like how Dennis Eckersley actually wore forty and not forty three until Suckliff arrived with the Cubs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Mark Grace played a couple of games as twenty eight. That's right. Happens. Yeah. Um, Casey's keeping it. Track Ernie of it. Ernie Banks had to play the first three seasons without a number because the Cubs were like, we don't give we don't we only give numbers to white guys. It was it was right. a, it was a sad moment I, in Cub history. You know that, it happened. Goes, I mean, we're not proud of it, but it happened. Sewing these numbers in, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna make. We're not sure you're gonna stick around. We're not so. We're not. No. We're not putting holes in the back of this jersey until we know for sure. Ernest. Uh, the other thing that I remember about 
Well, do you know know what else? Maybe you're going to say this. Do you know what was going to happen that what the big to do about that game on August 1st was? Is that Dusty's like Corey Patterson is my leadoff hitter. (laughs) Well, okay, that. And the fact that Greg Maddox was trying to win his 300th game. Oh, that happened in San Fran. Oh, later. I would have thought that was earlier that summer. Okay, so I forgot. that. Now I remember. That's why I'm happy to do this. So that's right. There was the confluence of No Mer's debut. Greg had already insisted. Greg always, he's a very smart guy. He makes really good points. So uh, I don't even know what number it was. I could look it up. Greg won a game for the Braves the year before. Maybe even you told about this. He counts playoff game. You told this on this. Yeah. yeah, he handed he at the end of the game he handed a baseball to Leo Mazzoni, and Leo's like, "What's this for?" He's like, "I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me." He's like, "Well, what is it?" He goes, "I won my 300th game today." He's like, "What do you mean?" And Greg's like, "Well, why don't playoff games count?" And Leo's like, "That's a pretty good point." Yeah, they should probably count extra, but they don't count at all. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, Greg that, was Greg was as Milo would say, Greg was sitting on two ninety nine. Yeah, and uh, like he pitched Ryan. six innings and only gave up three runs. Cubs won, but um, but I believe it was tied when he left, and he it was hotter than fuck. And Greg was tired, and basically told Dusty, "I'm done." And Dusty's yeah. like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." yeah. Well, you, he, he goes, "I'd like us writing, to hold on to the lead," and they did. The Cubs won. And you're writing back then. You would refer to Greg's uh, turkey timer that yes. pop. He was. It happened in a game in Cincinnati, but it might have been the next year where he had to run the bases and then he had to come out and the bullpen blew it. And it was frustrating because, like, Greg, why did you have to leave? Here's the scary thing about it. Right. Um, Actually, no. That's right. Greg came out. It was obviously they weren't winning, obviously, because they they won. He would have got the win. They were down three to two. They were only down by one. And Greg told Dusty he was done. And Dusty's like, he was, and he would have thought the Cubs oh, would have Oh, and it was 300th win. You'd think that he'd yeah, stay that's, in it. We're only fine. run down. We're going to stay in until we see if we can get the lead. Uh, they put Ryan Dempster in. Okay. And he tried to give up a run, but he couldn't. Um, How many guys he walk? He um, he gave up a single and a walk, and then Kent Merker had to come uh, clean things up for him. But so then, yeah, let's... But then in the seventh, the Cubs rallied, and they did it with all their stars. Um, Tom Goodwin, Sammy doubled. Aramis walked. Derek Lee struck out, but Mark Grudzelanik doubled, scored. Sammy sent Aramis to third. Then Jose Macias, he singled. The true. The, the Cubs the lead. Uh, Michael Barrett got a sacrifice fly, and then the new guy, as my mom had called him the night before, No Rod. Yes, No, no Rod, Rod Garcia Park. Wow. He singled. You would be happy about that. Drove in Jose Macias, and the Cubs would go on to win the game. I apologize. The uh, Cubs Expos Puerto Rican game was in 03 because oh. Jose Mazzias hit that against the Cubs. Oh, that's right. I remember I, what I remember about that was that was a game where nobody caught a routine pop up and the Cubs lost. Yeah. There was like, a Alex few. Gonzalez went out and then peeled off yeah, and it just yeah, like yeah, landed yeah. out there. It's like, oh, right. Man. But it was an 03. So, yeah, but the, the, that was the other thing, though, is that. After all this back and forth, because uh, I don't even know who the leadoff hitter was. Mostly, I think Todd Walker sometimes would go in. Grudzelanik would be there. Sometimes it'd be Patterson. I remember Dusty just committing to Patterson, and he got off to like a, it just happened to coincide with like a ten day Babip hot streak for Patterson. So it looked really good. And the and the reason that created a problem is that when Patterson at leadoff cooled off after a week, 
and I'm looking at it. The Cubs are winning, right? They win. They win the first four games with Nomar in the lineup. They're uh, five and one. They lose two. They win. And I think after about a week, all of a sudden, given Corey Patterson an automatic five at bats a game, started to seem. But Dusty would not relent until it was too late. I'm not blaming that for them falling out because there, there, too many other things were, you know, in play. But uh, he was installed the leadoff, and because of his hot first week there stayed there longer than he should have and a lot of damage was done in my opinion i don't know if they didn't really have a better alternative at lead off but anybody was a better alternative right right but that was dusty's thing it's like all right bro i got i got i'm gonna put the kid up there i got no marbet in second no i don't know how else the rest of the lineup worked but um it, from that point you know really in retrospect it was just such a disappointment. There was nothing fun about it. It should, have, it should have been a fucking party. This is a team that was five outs from the World Series the year before. Like you said, they upgraded at first base. They tweaked this net. They didn't really do much in the bullpen, but they're still a better team on paper. And then they get one of the best goddamn shortstops in the game, even though he was starting to slow down, didn't matter. And they spend the next two months just absolutely driving us crazy well, the in spite that, of all that the lineup that day was Corey Nomar Moises Sammy Aramis Derek Lee Grudzelonic Baco wow and yeah. then Greggy Greggy probably should have hit that's a that's a good lineup even um, with Baco and Corey yeah. at the top well I mean that's, that's this is until the Theo Cubs yeah yes this was the most talented team the Cubs had had in our lifetimes it will be stated as a fact that this is the first time, and we're both in our 30s at this point, that the Cubs would have con- merely have consecutive 500 yeah, right. seasons. That had never happened since, like, 1972. I mean, because so. if you – and obviously you have to correct for health. But if you – simply, if you look at the team, you know, you had the pitching staff of Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, Carlos Zambrano, Greg Maddox, Clement. and Matt Clement. And then yep. you had the lineup that had Derek Lee yeah. and Ramos Ramirez, and you still had Sammy, and you had Moises, and then you ended up with Nomar, and then Barrett. He shouldn't. They should have found a. So they honestly, they had a good enough offense. They should have had a real catcher. Should they not could have, have had that back Convinced there. Damian Miller to come back or whatever. Just and if you're going to play him, honestly, once he probably should have ended up being the de facto leadoff hitter. Barrett. He's like a 350 yeah. base guy, but right. But freaking Corey was. They installed him as 325, and it went down from there. Yes. Yeah, his numbers looked – these are numbers that Dusty would think were good. 272, 325, 432. The problem is 325 is bad for a leadoff hitter. Yes. And it's – is it, the whole thing is there's just so many strikeouts. It's like yes. don't put those at the top of your freaking lineup unless you want Nomar to bat with nobody on with one out all the time. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so then the, yeah. uh, the bullpen really was the only real hole. But after they got Nomar, they win that game against Philly. They go to Colorado and they sweep. Yep. And things are looking good. Then they go out to San Francisco and they lose the Friday game. Jason Schmidt yep. beats Matt Clement. But then on Saturday, August 7th, with Tom Brenneman on the call for Fox. Assuredly. Oh, that's when he got it. Nice Greg Maddox. call. Yeah, yeah. Greg Maddox wins his 300th game. Yep. And uh, he one of those things where he only pitched five. He did, he did not pitch well. Five eight innings, to four seven hits, four runs, struck out yeah. three, walked three, and these are the guys that nailed it down for him. Uh, the Cubs pitched scoreless 
how many hits they give up. Let's see. They had to cover four innings. They gave up four hits, but never not more than one an inning. And the guys right. were John Lester, not that John Lester, the other John, the, the Ice, Ice Man. Man, the one who the, the very has the, the very British English. spelling of Lester. Yes, the, <laughs> there's a street in the subdivision I grew up in an Oak Grove. I grew up in Wellington, but they're all named after British counties. But being American, we we pronounced it Lycaster. Lycaster, but John Lester. The first pronounced it John Lester. So John Lester, Kent Merker, Mike Remlinger, Kyle Farnsworth, and Latroy Hawkins. So Latroy what? was no. on the mound for the final out of Greg Maddox's 300th. How about that? Win. And I think he was a member of the Giants the next year when Maddox would get his 3,000th strikeout. Yeah, right against, also against the Giants. Yeah. Um, against Omar no, Vizquel. After right, a like long rain delay. When the Cubs were no longer wearing numbers on their backs. Or yes. numbers. They weren't wearing names. They were wearing numbers. It was only Ernie didn't get to wear numbers. They didn't get, they didn't get a name on the back. In 04, right? That was like the one year they didn't have names Fine. on their backs. Is it? Yeah. It was kind of a weird. They, they first did it in 93, and then they peeled off for. You know, but here's they the thing. They were trying we, to be um, the Yankees. Right. Well, they, but they were. And the Red Sox we don't, wear, don't wear names at home. Right. But it was, it was in 1993, the first year they put the names on. They, yeah. When we grew up, they didn't have the names on. Right. So just just to re- recap and put it in the context here about how this team is just slowly just fucking just farting around here. They get Nomar. They went four in a row. They sweep the, uh, the Colorados. And then three successive series against West Coast teams, the first in San Fran, and then at home against San Diego and L.A., they lose two out of three, all three. And they lose they lose four out of six at home against the Padres and Dodgers. I was in Vegas for that Dodgers series because I remember watching the closeout of the uh, Saturday game where they won. Uh, but it's just, again, it's just this sort of slide. You know, what are you doing just pissing away four out of six at home, uh, you know, when you're fighting for uh, a wild card? Well, it's one, just, it, one last it's ominous. One last thing about Max 300. Oh, sorry. Um, no. Um, Kyle Farnsworth, in his inning of relief, hit a giant. Do you know what giant he hit? I don't. AJ Pruszynski. Oh, so. fine. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, so they they piss that away. Then they go to Milwaukee and they win. Uh, they lose the opener on Tuesday, August seventeenth, and then the Cubs catch fire. They win the next two in Milwaukee. They win two oh, they out of three do. in Houston. They go. They Milwaukee comes in and they sweep, and then they win again. So they won. Um, well, they had a walk off with Houston four five six. But they, they won eight, eight out, out of nine. nine. Right. And we think, and all so right, now you think they right. righted the ship. Um, Priors back. Yes, that's exactly it. We're we're convincing ourselves. That they, you know, that it's, it's we were patient, right? We weren't giving up on this team. They're farting around. They pissed away the division, and then you know, they've got uh, uh, they've got six weeks to turn it around. We got plenty of time, like you said. Priors back. Well, and the only loss in that bunch was the walk off loss to Houston, where the Cubs led three to two in the bottom of the ninth, and Latroy. Um, I mean, Another Detroit game. You got to admit, though. I mean, he gave up hits to stars. Um, one former Cub, 
Uh, Jose Vizcaino tied it with a single to left field, and then Jason Lane uh, got a single uh, to win the game for Houston. So, I mean, how are you supposed to get a 65-year-old Jose Vizcaino out or the right. Jason Lane? I can excuse LaTroy there. That's fine. The crown weighs heavy uh, on LaTroy here. He's, he's already pissed away a few games. Everything is just bad omens. We're seeing things that are... Just going to keep reoccurring here down the stretch. I will give Latroy real quick credit here, though, because uh, I do know that this happened, and I can nail it. Saturday, September 11th. Ooh, sorry, it's on the anniversary. Um, it was almost the anniversary of today. It was just recently, I guess 20, 18 years ago, where Latroy closed out a game that the Cubs came back late. Dempster got the win. I'm only bringing this up because this is the only time I've ever actually seen this on TV or otherwise. But in the uh, bottom or the top of the ninth inning, to close out the game, all you're going to see in baseball reference is three straight strikeouts. And sure enough, you'll see that it would happen on three on uh, three pitches to each batter. An immaculate inning. So sometimes Latroy would really show, you know, his potential. You know, he almost would give you hope, even though in the back of your mind you're like, yeah. in the uh, uh, in the All Star game this year, Indians closer Emmanuel Classe came in to pitch. And he struck out the first guy on three pitches, and the first batter, he got a borderline call called a ball, and he was pissed. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what are you so pissed about? And then he struck that guy out of the next three pitches and the last guy on three pitches. He, nice. It's almost like he's like, fuck it, I'm going to get this. I'm going to throw nine strikes, right. and I'm going to strike these three guys out. And, yeah, if not right. for a, and he was right, except for a bad call by the ump. Well, I have in fact, to just... he was so mad. I was, I was watching at home going like, holy shit, he's pissed. I, 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 I... I have to share this because we're talking about immaculate innings. This totally happened in Kerry Woods' first start in 02, and I may have brought it up when we talked about 02. It was in Cincinnati. He struck out the first two batters on six pitches, went 0-2 on the next batter, may or may not have been Ken Griffey Jr., and then threw a ball or whatever, and then like fouled it off. And next thing you know, Kerry Wood got out of the inning, no runs, but the bases were loaded, and he threw about 30-some-odd pitches. But the first eight were strings. Anyway. But... Um, but that I jumped ahead there just because we're talking about Latroy shit in the tub. He did have that one moment, and I don't know, you know any other games that he you know factored in down the stretch. But you know you figure with that eight out of nine stretch, even though they followed up with three more straight losses to Houston heading into you know Labor Day weekend. You know they're they're certainly done with the division. They're seventy one and fifty nine. That's not great for this. Not we're disappointed, but we'll take it. We'll drag this dead carcass across the finish line if you motherfuckers can just get there, right? You're too talented not to. Just getting frustrating. It's getting frustrating. It's frustrating to live it the first time. Um, it's frustrating to live it. So, there was a game. My dad actually was at this game. Uh, Friday, August 27th. It's the only, I think it's the only Major League Baseball game he ever went to by himself. He went because uh, he went with him and my mom were in Chicago for something. Like, some kind of like Disney collectible convention, I think. Okay. And um, no, it must have been no, it couldn't have been that because he would have gone to that because he loved to trade. He was like Wheeler Dealer with these fancy Disney collectibles. That mom, sure. Would, dad got into it and started researching prices and turned it into like his <laughs> own stock trading. His thing. This had to be a scrapbooking convention because dad wouldn't have wanted to have spent any time at it. So mom was at it. So dad's like, "Hey, the Cubs are. It's a Friday. Cubs. Yeah. It's you're gonna, like it's a two twenty start." Uh huh. So right See, there. told you. Oh so, wow! So they went back so to dad it. Dad went. 
apparently just and experimenting with the 125. He saw a game that will go down in uh, two. Th- at least it's you don't remember the game, but you remember the aftermath. Everybody remembers this. The two, I, is this Lance Burke with Fat, fat Elvis? Well, two things happen in this game. There's a lot in 2004. Multiple things would happen in games. As we I remember out. Michael Michael Barrett showing his ass by arguing with the Astros when he should have just shut up, maybe. But so that's this all was I got. Friday, August 27th. The Cubs, 71 and 57, and the Astros, 65 and 63. Like, we know the Astros aren't going to make the playoffs. Bury them, and they would. That reminds me of the Brewers a couple times in the last five years, where the Cubs could have not only helped their own case, but buried the Brewers, and they didn't do it. So the pitching matchup was Roy Oswalt against Kerry Wood, and it got out of hand right away. The Astros scored four runs on Wood in the first. The Cubs came back and got two, so it was a wild four to two. Both teams scored two runs in the third, um, but the Cubs fell behind. They ended up losing the game eventually 15-7. to seven. Now, two things happened. In... In an early at bat, what inning was it? Um, it doesn't, I have to look. Somebody bat out of order again? No, uh, but you were right. Lance Berkman was up, and Kerry buzzed him. And Lance not only acted like he got hit, acted like he got hurt. Like they thought it looked like it. it Kerry thought he hit him in the head. And Lance was uh-huh. laying on the ground, and Kerry even came over to see if he was okay. And Lance did this whole thing where he like barely could get to his feet and go to first and on the fucking replay it didn't hit him it may have scared yep. him because it was carry wood fastball but it didn't hit him and that yep. fucker acted like so um later in the game a cub reliever decided he was going to retaliate and he was retaliated by hitting roy oswald and it was kent Marker. okay that was Merker. Merker gets thrown out of the game for hitting Oswald, goes to the clubhouse where he hears the Fox Sports Net team of Chip Carey and Steve Stone talking about what he said, quote, uh, a dominating, a brilliant performance by Roy Oswald. This is Roy's line. Roy pitched eight innings, gave up seven hits and six runs. Brilliant performance? Brilliant performance. So Merker gets pissed. So when Steve Stone tells the story, the way Stone tells the story, Merker called up to the press box to complain. Correct. Yep. What Merker said he did was he talked to Cubs PR person at the time, Sharon Panazzo, and said, why don't you ask those two assholes how giving up six runs is a brilliant performance? And that he Steve heard secondhand, not firsthand. So Steve then goes on the score later and talks about how this happened. Well, the Cubs are event- the Cubs. The next day are going on a road trip, so Merker goes up to him on the plane, and says, "Hey, buddy, you know what the? Hell, why are you pretending like I called the press box to talk to you? I didn't. I talked to the PR person." And Merker claims that Merker was an asshole. So who knows? The problem with this story is everybody involved in it is an asshole. Steve Stone's right. an asshole. Kent Merker's an asshole. Which asshole are you going to believe? Merker says that he didn't yell at Stone on the plane, but that Stone told people that he did. That instead of him basically telling him, hey, you were wrong, he's like, he was screaming and yelling at me on the plane. So well, so first of all, Stone says he called the press box. He called Merker claims he did. Merker says and now he Stone never called says up. that he's screaming at him on the airplane. And Merker says he did. Now, who knows? Merker, one of the two is lying, and it could be either one of them. We don't know. Okay. What Merker did admit to, though, was on the road trip, the two of them ended up alone on the elevator together. 
and Merker says he did yell at Steve then. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Basically, because twice Steve had said that Merker yelled at him when Merker claimed he didn't. But who knows which one of these guys is right? When when so when Stone talked about Oswald, it was uh, having a, a masterful performance or whatever it was. Was it in any way related to like Merker throwing at him, or is just like Merker threw at him? It's almost incidental. He gets ejected. He's in a clubhouse, and then having nothing to do with Merker, he just happens to hear. Like Steve Stone mischaracterized Roy Oswalt's outing, and that angered him. See, that is a pretty. It's obviously idiotic of Stone, and you know maybe because he hung around Chip Carey, who well, I want to see who Merker got to pitch to because he didn't. Chip Carey has hyperbole blowing, flowing through his blood, and so okay, Merker didn't get thrown out. Yeah, right. he got taken. He didn't get thrown out. And this is okay. interesting who the last guy he faced was. So he the first oh. battery he faced was Oswald, and he hit him. And Merker okay. says now HPP. that he, he hit him on purpose because he had the by then the guys in the dugout knew that Lance that had Burke faked. And, and yes. I think he didn't I think Lance was coming up later. I think Merker's like, I don't know if I'm gonna face Lance, so I'll just hit fucking Oswald. So he hit him. Which perfect. Honestly, that makes sense. That part's fine. I'm fine with that. Makes so he hits step. him, he gets the Beige out, and then Beltran singles, and Beagio steals third, and Beltran steals okay. second. So great. And then he walks so Bagwell. Then Berkman right. comes up. But the bases are and, loaded. He can't hit him because the bases uh, are loaded. But he throws a wild pitch, and then he ends up walking him. I wish he should have hit him then. He gets taken anyway, out for the, well, he gets taken out for the ice man. He goes up to the he goes into the clubhouse right. and the TV's on. And, right, but um, it was so. It wasn't a case of Stone criticizing Merker for hitting. It was just happened to mention. So, which makes it more ridiculous that Merker would get that upset. Yeah. He, his own performance was right. asked, and that he's that he wants to all of a sudden be like Norman Chad and like uh, critique <laughs> Steve Stone's uh, broadcasting acumen. Like, yep. like have, not that he was even being attacked. Just like and he's now he's not wrong. Right, like if he they characterize Oswald's start as as good, they're obviously morons. But you're the fucking ball player. You're wasting your time, like calling up you know big old Sharon Panazzo and like complaining to her, like like what like that speaks to the heart of the matter. I think is still true after 18 years that this team was just unhinged and unaccountable, and just they could just I don't know right. do whatever so, they wanted. And it ends up getting. Um, in a terrible season, it ended up having a happy outcome for us. Because, because of events starting here. Yeah. Um, we got rid of Chip Carey first and foremost. So Jim Hendry ended up having to get involved in this, which is the last thing he wanted to do. He ended up try- having to play like peacemaker between Kent Merker and the broadcast team. And he has no dominion over the broadcast. And he's got to help smooth it over. Right. Steve Stone always claimed that Hendry was clearly um, – on Merker's side, Chip, like and, Chip and Steve felt like they weren't being backed by the franchise. Yeah, you're fucking announcers. Who? Geez. So Stone and at this Chip point, was getting all really kinds cold. of criticism because he sucked at his job. He was awful. Right. The fan, most of the fans hated him. There was there was a blog out there that the guy around the blog was just hammering Chip every day. It was just relentless. I don't know who that guy was. Me. Yes. Um, and at some point late in the season, Chip. Uh, the Cubs told Chip that, yeah, this is the last year of your contract, and you're not coming back. So you might want to go see if you can find gainful employment somewhere else. And he ended up going to Atlanta, and then Steve ended up getting upset the way Chip was treated, and he quit too. Well, I mean, at this point, we talked about Stoney in the beginning. Uh, he was a, a total straight man, a nasally-sounding straight man to Harry Carey. Never really seemed to, like, 
be very you know gutsy or you know he'd be a good insight but he didn't really have much of a personality over the course of like i guess the 20 some odd years he sort of you know eventually put on his big boy pants and he was uh big boy pants but he was uh by 04 he was a little bit full of himself frankly right really yes. believe in his own bullshit everybody been telling him how great he was and he believed it yeah so they lose that game and then they lose the Saturday game, and they lose the Sunday game. So they don't they don't just not bury the Astros. They throw them a lifeline. The Astros That's what are the now, Cubs have the done Astros with are the now Back in the wild card yeah. race when they should have been put out of their misery. And that makes exactly. it that makes it even more ridiculous that um, Merker was throwing a fit. They had far bigger fish to fry than a fucking exactly. argument with the announcers. Yep. Um, they go to Montreal and they win three out of four. No, they win two. Well, they went two out of three, and then Montreal chases them back to Wrigley. So they played them six games in a row, um, three in Montreal and then three at Wrigley. And they, the last three moment of silence for the last three games the Cubs would ever have played in, Mon- in, uh, well, in Montreal. They won the last one and in 11 innings, and Latroy got the win. Wow. Then they came back and lost two out of three to him. Then they played a very strange doubleheader. On Friday, September 10th, they played the Marlins in a doubleheader. And one of the games was uh, was should have been a Marlin home game. Cubs bad at first at Wrigley Field. No, they didn't. They don't. Major League Baseball doesn't let you do that. Oh, okay. They, they just, just gave, basically they, they give just the Cubs an extra home game. Gave the Cubs a home game. Yeah. Okay. Because um, a three game set, we could probably find it. It all becomes really important because well, the I Cubs ended up the, the, the rain immaculate inning. That must have been the same week. Oh no! Wait, there's a whole wait. So these games that are at Florida are actually not at Florida. Those were actually in Florida. Saying? So the Cubs oh, were. were supposed okay. to play. The Marlins they, ended up coming to Chicago. They got an extra game, and I think they Friday. played. Maybe Friday they played the Expos. They played somebody. They played a three-game series at. U.S. Cellular. Then they were supposed to come play the Cubs anyway, and they played a doubleheader. One of those was just to make up one of the hurricane games. Then the Cubs had to go there on the 20th of September to play a doubleheader to make up the other two. Correct, and they split them. But <laughs> that's right. They, they had a four-game weekend series. Uh, the first uh, two were doubleheader set on fr- a rare Friday doubleheader. And I remember thinking, I can't tell on, I mean, I could if I took a little more time, but when the games got rained out in Florida... I remember thinking that the Cubs could use it. Might have, maybe there was only the one day. Maybe they got the September 9th up when they weren't going to. But I remember thinking the Cubs needed a break. This was good timing for them. To And it ended up being terrible timing because the two doubleheaders ended up adding to a slog at the end of the season yeah. where the Cubs Although, ran out of fucking still, gas. And I think a big still, part of it was having to play all the Maybe. Games. But they did have a five. Uh, well, no, but we're going to get into it. There's one pitcher in particular who yeah, I know, had finally saying, started pitching well, and Dusty couldn't stop fucking pitching him until he had nothing right. left, and he ended up blowing the season. The original uh, Florida series must have been between September 1st and September 6th. Comes oh, yeah, there's, five right, so they got off. five days off, four days off. And, and it probably much needed because they just lost four out of five. Right. So actually, I don't think, yeah, I think that's actually, that worked to their advantage, frankly. So well, I don't know that it did because from the 10th of September. Well, then it wouldn't have mattered. Until the then, 3rd of October. Right. But then plowing through those Labor Day, post-Labor Day games wouldn't have been any more advantageous. They could have they played, they had, so it, they had two double headers in there. They had one day off. The last yeah, makes the 
the last 24 days of the season. They played 25 games in 24 days. Why don't they bitch about it like the 2019 Cubs? Well, it doesn't help. I know. But fuck it. I mean, all right, yeah, so you're playing Florida at that time. Hey, they shouldn't have been in that position anyway, right? They should have been futzing around 13 games over 500 when September came in to begin with. They were much too good, so they made their bed. All right, so they get through that. They From the second game of the doubleheader, now they've got all these games in a row, and they go one, two. Eight and two. They go 13 12, and three. 12 and three. Yeah. They yeah. go 13 and three, and you think, all right, we're in great shape. The last, the 13th win was a, a come-from-behind win at, at Shea Stadium against the Mets. Derek Lee had, had a right? game-winning hit in the top of the ninth, I want to say, a single. Like yeah, and there, I remember driving yep. around and listening to that game. I was living in the city, and uh, it felt like they had gotten over the hump now, right? Like, oh, all the fits and starts of these last two. Ever since that June series in St. Louis and they've been in a rut, they did have one nice winning streak, but now – now we're there. We're rounding into form. We got Mark Pryor back. We got Kerry Wood. We're 21 games over 500. We're in the, I believe, right? They have, they're they're in the pole position. They have a one-and-a-half uh, game wild, lead yeah. for the wild card. Yep. Over okay. the Giants and two-and-a-half over Houston. It's like, finally, what a long slog. It was very hard, but we're in this position. Now let's... You know, the end is in sight in spite of all the difficulty and adversity we've had. We've played under our our level, but there's been some grace. And now that we have 10 days left in the season, right, one week basically, let's uh, let's close it out. So let's go to Saturday, folks. Well, I was just before that, I was going to say the Houston, because we were talking about how the Cubs could put them out of their misery. Well, so and then they, they let them sweep them at home. They win that game on that Friday. And then from then on, they went. What game? The the they, Friday at Houston. No, the one we just no. talked about. Oh, I got gotcha. you. The they the Mets go. game. The Mets game. No. What are you? No. The Friday Mets talking game. about Houston. Okay. Because Houston's only two and a half games behind the Cubs now. On that, with the Cubs had won that game. But I'm talking I, I'm, about the the yeah. Royals. Well, the thing we just spent 20 minutes talking about, right? And so we had mentioned that on that day, the, that was the series where the Cubs could have put them out of their misery. They were t- 65 and 63. They went 27 and seven the rest of the way. So Cubs the Cubs did. are going th- the Astros. The Cubs are going 13 and three, and the Astros are winning every day, two basically. So they're still not getting, they're not gaining on. They're not extending their lead, so these are still important. But they win that game against the Mets, and now they've got the final stretch of their season, the Cubs, is all all bad teams. Well, it's not all bad teams. They're going to finish with the Braves, but you figure by then the Braves have already – the Braves aren't going to worry about those wins, and you should should wrap it up by then anyway. Um, So they play that game against uh, the Mets on the Saturday. It's Mark Pryor, right? Uh, I believe so. Todd Walker hit a nice big homer at one point that should have been big insurance. Um, was it prior? Yeah, it was prior. Yes. Prior pitches seven, seven and two thirds, gives up four hits, no runs, strikes out five. And the Cubs are up three nothing. Um, 
going into the bottom of the ninth. They are on a roll. Yeah, three nothing. Thanks to I think it was Walker. Yeah, Todd Walker, two run homer off of Heilman, and then a bases loaded walk to Moises Alou in the top of the eighth. That Sammy could have really dented the game afterwards, but he struck out and Nomar grounded out. But still, three nothing, top of the ninth, and let's. I should say that let's say let's point this out. In the bottom of the eighth, Mark Pryor comes out, so he's got a three nothing lead. Victor Diaz gets a hit, but then Pryor strikes out former Yankee Gerald Williams. Wilson Delgado grounds out. Pryor commits the mortal sin of walking a young David Wright. Two runners on. So let's go to Ryan Dempster, who's just been you know the, the manifestation of Jim Henry's reclamation project. And we're thinking, hey, this is good. He'd been pitching for a couple weeks. Been pitching pretty good. He was, uh, you know, came up with the Florida Marlins in '98 and gave up a 900 foot homer to Sammy Sosa the month that he hit 20 homers. And then Dempster went to the Reds and had some value because he was a deadline deal. Then he blew out his arm. And so Henry picks him up. He rehabs and he starts coming into games in August and seems all right. This is a good option because we don't really trust Latroy either. And we don't have Joe Borowski anymore. And sure enough, in the bottom of the eighth, our guy, Ryan Dempster, comes in and induces future Hall of Famer Mike Piazza to ground out to short. You know why? Because he threw the ball over the fucking plate. Yeah. So and he gets out of the inning. And now, okay, that, that's our closer. He's going to close out the net because LaTroy was never intended to be a closer. He was well, intended to be insurance for a closer. It's not just that. So LaTroy, from the time the schedule got you know condensed with the – in fact, he pitched in one of the games of the doubleheader against the Marlins – um, from the 11th of September to the 24th, he pitched in nine games. Um, so nine games in he 13 was, days. He, he had pitched. Like um, he pitched 10 innings, given up five hits, one run, struck out 10, and walked two. He had an 0.90 ERA in those games. But he He's had also up. pitched on the 20th, the 21st, the 23rd, and he'd pitched the night before. And this was a day game after a night game. And so Dusty's like, we're not going to Latroy. We're not going to go to is, it's, We don't need to do that. He's exhausted. And, and this and is a great opportunity. Well. Right. And this is a great opportunity. Here's here's Henry's gamble, not a low a low stakes gamble. But here's the guy that might be our closer. And sure enough, Dempster would prove to be an effective closer for a couple of years. And he had the arm for it. And I think the long the long term, the long range plan was this guy could be our closer, but this guy could be our closer now. Here he is. Yeah. He's healthy. Here's his opportunity. Right? And he, and he, like I said, he induces Piazza to end the inning. And, right. so uh, and But you're right. LaTroy is done. Right? So, Dempster, can you cut a guy a fucking break and, like, let him enjoy his day off? And and look, they got a three-run lead, and look who he's going to face. He's oh, I got, know. I, I know the two guys he walked. He's got and, Todd and, Zeal. I, then Eric yep. Valent, Jason Phillips, and if anybody gets on, Jeff Kippinger, and then, God forbid, two guys get on, Victor Diaz. Now, certainly, Ryan Dempster can get through that without giving up three runs, right? He's got a three-run fucking lead. So, Jason Valent, Jason Phillips and Eric Valent, I've looked this up because it drives me nuts that Dempster flies under the radar. So many uh, fans forget things like this. Jason or Eric Valent and J- Jason Phillips, both of them were literally out of the league within 24 months, maybe even 12. I looked so it up was, at one point. So was Victor Diaz. I don't know if Victor Diaz ever played a game no. after. Well, that comes into Troy. 
I'm focusing on Dempster's right. inability. But I'm to talking about the strikes, guys. Who, the guys. Yeah, who yeah, yeah. Of all of the cubs right. here. So he strikes out Zeal to start the inning. So now it's just one so proven hitter. You just have to get two outs without giving up three runs. Can you do two that? Two banjo hitters that are going to be out of the league in a year. Yep. And Pal- what does he do instead? Pal- and he walks on five pitches. Unreal. Then Phillips, he walks. He gets to a full count and walks him. And Dusty's like, fuck this. You can't, you can't blame Dusty. So, Latroy with his arm hanging down by his knee. And I'm no Latroy defender, but this is not a position that you should put him in. He faces Kepinger, gets him to fly out. So it's like, all right, fine. All you have to do is get Victor Diaz out, and the Cubs win, and the lead stays two and a half, and you're coming home. You got all those games with the Reds. Everything's looking great. Mm-hmm. And Victor Diaz hits a three-run homer to deep right field. Apo, I remember where I was in my apartment on, in my apartment on Cullum Avenue, right by the Celtic Crown at Western. Western. I was watching this on a GameCast. I was working a football game, and I was oh. in the press, and I was refreshing. Yeah. And just expecting oh, to see, and then, the and then it did that weird thing in the old GameCast where you refresh, and the ba- batter's changed. And I'm like, what happened? Look up, and it's 3-3. Three, three. It's like, you didn't I, expect that. I assume, what do you do, walk Victor Diaz? Like, no, he had a three-run homer. I did not stick around for extra innings. My wife and I went for a bike ride and drove down to Lincoln, rode our bikes down to Lincoln Park and watched for uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. And oh. I saw th- I saw through a bar window yeah. that the Cubs had not wanted. Well, they rallied in the top of the 10th. They had two on with Sammy up. He grounded into a double playoff. Ricky Batalico. Yeah, Sammy was really really struggling down the stretch. Mike Wirtz got through the top bottom of the 10th. Honestly, why did you just go to Wirtz? Bruce Miles would have. He loved Mike Wirtz and his slider of death. Yeah, um, The top of the 11th, the Cubs uh, tried to scratch a run across against Jay Wong Su. Do you remember Jay Wong Su? No, nobody does. No. But how about the guys who batted for the Cubs in the top of the 11th? This is an immortal group. Calvin Murray, Jose Macias, then Michael. We haven't even talked about the next guy, about the guy after Michael Bear, the guy who almost saved the who almost saved that season, and certainly the next year. The next season. The next year, yeah. Oh, we'll talk about Neffy because Neffy, um, they was a post waiver pickup, and he went nuts for the Cubs. He went nuts, and he um, carried it through. Yeah, so Michael Bear gets right. a ground rule double. So Neffy's up with a runner on second. He can be a hero. No. And he grounds out to the shortstop. But the fact that you're one week from the end of the season and you're hoping to make the playoffs and you send up four batters in a row yeah. that are Calvin Murray, Jose Macias, Mike, well, Michael Barrett, but Nate Nafee Perez, three of those I'm four. I'm sure they had all – did they all come in on defense when the Cubs had the big lead? Why are they even in? I just – I don't get it. I, it's, I mean, it's not worth So then in the to. bottom of the 11th, the immortal Craig Brazell. Another no, nobody. Hits a home yeah. run off Kent Merker and the Cubs lose. Okay, let's pick ourselves back up. That's a tough loss. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, the end of it. We got Kerry Wood going tomorrow. Kerry Wood has never had a season in which he has finished under five hundred. Um, you know, it's we, it's we're okay. All right, we still we still got our guys. That's a tough loss. We've been playing really good baseball, and it didn't work out. So Kerry comes into the game eight and seven. In the very first fucking inning, he uh, he gives up three, walks in a run, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he got a hit-by-pitch with the immortal Craig Bazell scoring. He walks in uh, a Gerald Williams, So, but he gets out of it. And then in the bottom of the first, 
No, it was the top of the. At some point, I thought Moises Alou. Moises, late in the game, Moises Alou may have gotten ejected for. It was just frustrating because it was like we had that game, and then Wood just shits the top. It started to really get frustrated with Wood because it's like pick us up. You couldn't pick us up last year, you know, when some douchebag Notre Dame grad in a turtleneck, you know, had to grab a souvenir. I, mean, I granted he might have been out of gas then. Granted he's always hurt, but it's like we just lost a heartbreaking game. And then you fucking come out here and you walk the first batter, Jose Reyes, you let him steal, you give him a hit, you give him a few hits, you hit a guy, you hit two guys in a row, you motherfucker, god damn it, I know you won the two games in Atlanta, but Christ, we really could have used you there. But the Cubs, but that was it though. I will say for Curry, he settled down, you know, all right? So maybe feelings are high. And the Cubs chip away, but they could never even tie the game. And I do remember late in the game, that uh, Alou came up in a situation that, uh, you know, a clutch hit would have been used. I'm pretty sure he got called out on a 3-2 pitch. I could be wrong. I'm not really seeing much of Alou in this game. I don't know. Yeah, at the end of the fifth, and the bases were loaded, but there's no indication that somebody was in to replace him. So he may not have gotten ejected. No, he was in the eighth. I think he just and you know, tantrum. And you know what else happened this day that was not fun? Uh, late in the game against the Minnesota Vikings, Bears second-year quarterback Rex Grossman got injured, and we saw a few snaps from Jonathan Quinn, who would then be our quarterback for the next few weeks. Yeah. I just know that those happened on the same day. Had to mention it. But so back-to-back, tough, like a heartbreaking loss, and then just an ex- really frustrating loss when you can't afford to give away losses. But still, right? Where are the they, Cubs at the end of the day? They come home, and so they're. They got their series with the four games against the Reds, the hapless Reds, and the Cubs are a half game up over the Giants and a game and a half over the Astros. So just keep winning and you're going to the playoffs. That's all you have to do. Take care of business. Forget forget about New York. And in game, the first game, they do. Nomar drives in two runs in the top of the first, and they go on, they cruise to a 12-5 win behind Carlos. And Carlos was amazing down the stretch. Is that right? He was. I think I remember we looked that up before. He was and amazing, he was, and Greggy was good until this. Greg had had their two best pitchers down the stretch were Zambrano and Maddox until Greg does. Greg shits the bed against the Reds. Um, yeah, okay, we, Carlos in that. September that year um, started well, he six, six games. He went five. He went four zero. The Cubs won five of the six games. Okay, he gave. He had a one point nine six ERA. Struck out thirty three. And walked 12. Um, yeah, he was really good. Wow. And he was the he was still a kid. How old was Carlos in 2004? Uh, Jesus, 23, 24? 23. Yep. It was his yeah. first all-star year. It was 2004. Yeah, I saw that he was 16-8 and eight after that game against the Rams. Uh, uh, I need to give you a Nephi stats for 2004. Oh. He, played, he was awesome in He September. played 23 games for the Cubs in 2004. He hit 371 with a 400 on base and a 548 slug. He an OPS 40. plus of a 141. Yeah. One of those curses where you do that well and for a short period of time, just like when Corey Patterson was batting leadoff and it was really hot for 10 days. And you're like, oh, let's, let's bet the farm on this. And he could, he would have been on the postseason roster because the, he got cut by the Giants on – August 17th, signed with the Cubs on August okay. 13th, 19th. So he was on the roster on the 31st of August. So he was playoff eligible. So 
<laughs> he'd have been. If I'm only, sure he'd have been the World Series MVP. He could have. He could have saved the World Series in addition to saving the 2005 season. I mean, he'd already he'd already homered the Cubs into the playoffs once in his career. At, six years earlier, he gets 1998. Uh, you're right. Maddox shit the tub the next day. Yes. You know, but they and, and where were they at the end of that day? They were. Um, Still in the uh, still in the wild card spot. They're yeah, actually tied. I, I used to. So Maddox, I, Maddox loses the I compared the, the whole. This whole end of the season was like a slow motion car wreck. Uh huh. You just won. the Cubs would lose, and you think, all right, they've fallen out of it, and they would still somehow be barely clinging. Yeah, they were. They were a flat footed tie with the Giants. Flat footed tie after Maddox half game this, over the Astros. This is where it gets really rough, and I think this is where we get to that Mark Pryor game or not. Yeah, right? Yep. So sure. prior here's Pryor, poor guy, you know, he was our golden child. He we we he we almost he just puts us on his shoulders the year before, comes this close to the pennant, and then he's just not himself this year, but he's oh, okay one, down the stretch. No, have, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Glendon Rush. This. I'm wrong. We totally have, wrong. The Cubs have to throw Glendon Rush out on the 29th of September. Uh, he makes he makes the start, uh, uh, but he's facing um, the great. What, I, what the hell am I? Am I in the wrong thing? Well, Luke Hudson yeah. was the was Glenn the Rush against Luke start. Hudson, and Glendon six and a third, four hits, one run. And you think, oh, that ought to be yeah. enough to win. Luke Hudson six innings, four hits, one uh, run. Imagine him pitch bat, for pitch. The, the bats turtled. So what happened? How did the Cubs take the lead here? Uh, ooh. No, let's stop the ninth. Oh, uh, Moises gets a sack fly, a little small ball. Scores Corey. So, yeah, the Cubs are often struggling in this game, but they have a 2-1 to one lead after 7. They have a 2-1 to one lead after 8. And, you know, Tempster get pitched in here after Rush came out and got an out. Good for you. But, like, Dusty's not going to put him back in the closer spot because of what happened in New York. He's got to go back to Latroy. And Latroy, like you said, is already a little bit out of gas. Cubs take a 2-1 lead into the ninth, or into the ninth, right? Yeah. Yes, and he's got to face. He actually has real batters he's got to face this time. Sean Casey, Adam Dunn, former Sox star D'Angelo Jimenez. And Padre, who has, uh, you know, D'Angelo Jimenez is involved in Never mind. He, he, there was some pain with him. But this is going to be easy. Right. Casey yeah. grounds out. Dunn strikes out. Cub fans on their feet. Everybody clapping. Cubs are going to win 2-1, to one, and Angelo Jimenez triples. It's down the right. Yep. Down Sammy the running first. around, running into the wall, falling down. You know, yep, with yep, Sammy. Exactly. So then the guy who uh, Jim Hendry had tried to trade for years, the guy with the enormous ears who has the, na- has the word ear right in the middle of his name, Mm-hmm. Austin Kearns, who had never done shit before or since, hits a double, scores Jimenez, ties the game. But like everything else that the 2004 Cubs did, the the death couldn't come quickly. Latroy gets out of it, so now we go to Cubs can Cubs can still yeah. win it. They got to drag it out. Gabe White comes into pitch, and he's got to face the one name keeps popping up in here a lot. This. Reason the Jose Macias. We have no love for Dusty. In the bottom of the ninth, he has to face Michael Barrett, Jose Macias. And Corey Once Pires. again, critical situation, and you're you're setting up your uh, your fly ball, line out, strike out. Now the Farns is in, in the top of the tenth. 
Reds go down one, two, three. He strikes out Darren Bragg, Javier Valentin, and Felipe Lopez. Todd okay. Van Poppel comes in to pitch for the Reds. Former Cub at this point. Yeah, yeah he'd been really good for them in 01. Yes, he was. Nomar walks, Moses lines out, Aramis pops out, and Derek Lee flies out. Farns is still in. Yep. He gives up a single to Juan Castro, gets a double play with Sean Casey, strikes out Adam Dunn. The Farns is kicking ass. All right, Bobby Levin, surely the Cubs will score here because they got Sammy and then Neffy. Well, where are all the good players we were talking about at the beginning of the year? Like, hey, we got Derek Lee, we got Ramirez. Like, where are they? Well, they were in the previous inning, I guess. But So, Sammy singles. Neffy bunts him to second. Best player on the team is going to bunt. That's winning. Well. Uh, Michael Barrett grounds out, and the Farns is due up. So who comes up? Ben Grieve. They trade Andy Pratt to get him, just for this moment. Uh, and he grounds back to the pitcher. Just John Reedling. How are you supposed to hit John Reedling? If Harry were alive, he would have said, little tap. So now we go to the Iceman. And he's in to face. D'Angelo Jimenez walks. Austin Kearns. Homers. Big, big old ears. And the Reds are up 4-2. to two. They almost scored a lot more. Larkin struck out. Darren Bragg singled. Javier Valentin yep. walked. Then Felipe Lopez popped out. And then Juan Castro. Mike Wirtz cleaned up again. Maybe he does. Maybe you should have just started with him. Well, Wirtz, yeah, a little. So, in the, in just to I'm seeing what happened in the bottom of the 12th, like you said, the Cubs cannot just get it over with. Yeah. They have Corey to drag walked. it out. He walked. Corey Patterson walked. Wow. That should have ended. That was the sign of the apocalypse. Nomar reaches on an error. So now you got two on. Moises grounds into a double play. Scores Corey. Aramis singles. Derek Lee strikes out. The Cubs lose. Ouch. 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 Tough loss. Real tough loss. They're only, what, six days left in the season. Lose four to three, and now they're falling out, right? Uh, I believe so. I was trying to find the standings to now, a disinterested Reds team. Houston has passed them. Yeah, see, at the, because the Cubs could not put them away. Yeah, so at the end of the day, now the Cubs are one half game behind Houston, and but that's okay. We got the, we got the Reds again. All right, let those fuckers enjoy it. All right, we're done with this. We gave them two. It's embarrassing, and it's embarrassing that we have to settle for a split. But we just got to do it and before got, the Braves come to town. Yeah, Mark Pryor. Everything's gonna be fine. Mar- the offense is gonna score some runs. And Mark Pryor. It's sad that at the age of 23, he turns back the clock. <laughs> That's exactly it. This Just grizz- read his grizzled line. old veteran of 23 with all of his arm injuries goes Just nine innings, gives up three hits, one run, walks one guy, and strikes out 16. He basically throws the Cubs on his back and says, all right, we all that. remember how we failed last year? Fuck it. We're going to yep. do it this time. I'm not going to leave it. And the Cubs yeah. facing Aaron Harang also was managed they're one good run. Yeah. yeah. Aaron yeah. Harang, yeah. four hits in seven innings. Pryor made the, committed the sin of giving up a run in the, one run in the seventh after the Cubs had scored. And that was it. And again, guess who tied the game it up? It was an Austin Kearns home run. Yes, Austin yeah. Kearns killed the Cubs in his, in the final week of the season. He did. He did. And then, of course, just for good measure, the guy who wins it in the 12th, long after Pryor's gone, longtime Cub killer, and uh, Roman Maroney looked like, or that's his brother, Jose. 
But the Reds had a pudgy little fucking backup catcher that constantly, I just felt like. Yeah, Jose Valentin was the Iraqi tank commander. Right, or Freddie Mercury, if you want to insult the Sox fan or like whatever. But Javier was a chubby little brother. Looked a lot like him. Um, of course. Yeah, yeah so he, he homers off of Remlinger, or doubles, scores Adam Dunn somehow. Adam scores from, oh, he's on third base. That's how he scored on a double. No, he, yeah, off of Farnsworth. Javier oh, that's right. Remlinger started the inning. He got he yeah. gave up the hit to Dunn, and then they yeah, went. Remlinger could not retire the lefty, Dunn. Right, and so then instead of leaving him in to face the righties, which he's actually he was Remlinger was Correct. far better against righties and lefties because of his changeup. Dusty yep. never figured that shit out ever, and he would take him out against righties and put him in against lefties and couldn't understand why it didn't work. And he could never learn. Although Farnsworth finally did solve Kearns by striking him out, but then uh, and then he, but he can't retire Javier Valentin. No. So the bottom of the twelfth, uh, Jose Macias. Singles. Corey strikes out. Nomar bunts and he, Nomar sacrifices. Oh. He gets Macias to second. Aramis he had, to be, he had to be bunt for a hit. And the I official, would hope. And they gave him a me. generous official score. Gave him he a tried sacrifice. to drag him. He tried to like bunt for a hit and they I got him hope. out. And then in that case, you still get credited with a sacrifice because my mother of God. But anyway, so Aramis walks, so Moises is up, runner, the tying run at second, go ahead and run on first, and he flies out to center and the Cubs lose. And like, that's kind of the season, right? Because I remember when the Braves came in for the season-ending series, the Friday game, it felt like a funeral. It yeah. felt like it was over, not just like, oh, being melodramatic. It was like mathematically now, it was like, oh, fuck, you guys are fucked. You're more than a game behind, right? Were they a game? I, should, I, gotta, I have to pull it up. Pretty sure they're more. If you're more than a game behind with the one three game season going on, then you are pretty. You know, you're obviously at the mercy of everyone else. Yeah. So now actually, what happens is they're only they're only a uh, a game out, but San Francisco is now jumped ahead of them. Yeah. So yeah, they're third. Pl- they have two teams ahead of them with three games to go, and those two teams yes. are not. And you're not playing either of those teams. Yes. Which means you're relying on you're relying on two other teams to beat the right. teams ahead of you. It's bad enough uh, to to need one yes. team to win, but now you need yeah, two to do it for you. They are only one game behind them, but the fact that it's two teams is really the issue. Yeah. But they they had control of their own destiny going and one week earlier. It's Kerry Wood against Mike Hampton on Friday. It, but it, I, I remember listening to this game when I was at work. I like, it doesn't even matter. No, and the sure Cubs, enough, the Cubs, the Cubs end up down 5-1 to one going into the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. And they stage one last rally. Um, Nomar singles. Sammy grounds out. Todd Walker pinch hits for Grudzelanik. And he singles. Nomar goes to second. Ben Grieve hits a double. It scores Nomar and Walker. Uh Jose Macias. Oh wow! Of course, Jose Macias is playing. Yeah. Um, Why pitch while he's batting? Way he, too much Jose Macias. How about this? So the the final run scored in the game. Jose Macias drives in Calvin Murray, but then Corey strikes out. Derek Lee grounds out, and the Cubs lose five to four. And it really is probably now a little. Games. I think they're yeah. Now they're two games behind both the Astros and the Giants with two games to go. So they're still not mathematically no, limited. They don't get them limited till the last day. No, they get eliminated on Saturday. Cause Saturday because Saturday they get eliminated. Be... Sunday we 
finally get some good news. Yes. Yeah, a yeah. few a few things happened that Sunday. Yeah, they you're right. So yeah, they lose eight to six after they give up three in the top of the eighth on Saturday. Yeah, they blow a six to, six they blow a six to two lead against the Braves and lose eight to six. Uh, and at the at the end of the standings that day, now they are well, they're still the two teams ahead of them, but now they are three. They are eliminated. The three. Jose Macias is two. now your starting center fielder. Oh my god, it just gets worse. <laughs> so Jose's but yeah, Jose's stat line for the year. 268, 292, 376. He's playing center and he's leading off. Of course he's leading oh my off God. because he's a center a, fielder. You have to a, you have to lead I, off if you're the center fielder on Dusty's team. That whole thing is like a giant fucking. That's you the one game Carlos does not it's Carlos's last start and he does not pitch well. He gives up five <laughs> runs in five innings. Well, because he broke from just the the the, the weight of carrying them and he still managed to throw 100, 120 pitches in five and two thirds. Yeah. Way to go, Dusty. That's great. <sighs> Yeah, so there they were eliminated. They were definitely done then because they're three behind Houston, and they yeah. pulled away from San so Fran. It's over. It's now, over. And why Sunday the hell happened. would Why the hell would anybody tune in to the Sunday game? But I could. Well, I did, and there was news at the very beginning. Well, there's a few things going on. Remember too now because Sammy Sosa shows up for his last day of work too. Yep. Yeah. For the last time, three big things out. happen on this day. Three Four, three happen because one doesn't happen until later. So the broadcast right. starts, and Chip announces that he is leaving, and he's going to go to his going to go announce with his old man. Yeah, his old man dead. Skip. Yeah, his old man's still alive. And he is now. Right. No, his old man's dead now. He's going yeah, to he's going to Fox Sports <laughs> South or whatever it is. He's going to announce for the Braves. So finally, a little good news. Sammy's right. not in the lineup. Um, Sammy leaves a little early. Well, how can he? How can how can he push Jose Macias right. aside? Who played? Let's see. Who played? Probably Ben Grieve, right? Uh, Holly. Jason Dubois. Jason Dubois oh. played right field. <sighs> Sammy then, leaves a little early. The, yep. the the guys find out, and after the game, Sammy's boombox in the clubhouse destroyed. Well, he didn't need it. He already left. Right. And in the offseason, Sammy would be traded. Sammy's to last the, game to the come. Baltimore yeah. Orioles. So Sammy's last oh, game. Was the day they got was when they got eliminated? Yeah, the day before. Yeah, really strange ending to a pretty interesting career there, I guess. By the way, before we before we really uh, tie it up and eulogize his team, I thought about Hollinsworth. Of course, Hollinsworth was not playing for Sammy in September because I mentioned earlier how much Xavier Hollinsworth was, but he was also an asshole in the same year because he had had some weird unusual like massive shin injury he had a nerve and that, entrapment in his yeah okay shin you know and so after his hot streak where he really like like kept the cubs buoyed in sosa's absence and actually you know had a lot of big hits and oh my god thank god talk about a guy that's really saving the season then the game against the white Sox on a yep. friday or saturday i don't know if it was a comiskey or a wrigley he hits the ball off the shin guard I remember i can was, still see it completely unprotected by any sort of a shin shin guard apparatus and uh, didn't play again that season. And just like, like I'm mad at him because he got our hopes up. Well, think about how big a loss could it be? It was the 27th of June and the 27th of June, Todd Hollinsworth was hitting 318 with a 392 on base and a 547 slugging. And you're like, well, he's playing out of this. Well, of course he is, but he was also, 
he'd been rookie of the year. He'd been 96. a good player. There was a good player. He was the the Cubs needed four outfielders, and he was going to be one yep. of the four, and he was going to play a lot. And he was a left-handed bat that they didn't have. They wouldn't have had fucking Jose Macias. Well, they would have because Dusty probably would have found a way to play Jose. No, Macias. but you're right. But honestly. Dusty would have played him. He was a veteran. He loved him. He was his veterans, dude. And that's and that it's one that's always haunted me too. Like not having Hollinsworth because of his own fucking absolute lack of self awareness or just his total ADFC. Yeah, you're right. I would have been much preferred to have than that flat Sam of Kelvin Murray and I mean I, I just I'm astounded at all the guys that were taking plate appearances there in September. So it was his uh, last yeah. that was his last good year in the big leagues. He was not good in 05 for the Cubs, got traded to the Braves for the playoff push, hit 171 for them. Spent a year in Cleveland where he had 237 and then played only 34 games for the Reds in 06 and he was done. Yeah, so barely, like essentially like a 10-year career. He has, know, a world, he has a World Series ring for the Cubs. Yes, because he, yeah, he slid home in that eighth inning. He scored a run in that eighth inning. No, he has a World Series ring for the Cubs. Oh, for the Cubs. Why? He because he was, the, he was one of the, he was on the All announcing right. team. But Good for good for Todd Hollinsworth. Would have been nice if he fucking considered putting on a goddamn shin guard because we could have used him in September. Cubs did finish the season with a win, of course. They did. And, Gre- and Greggy got it. Yeah. Cubs won 80, 89 wins. All that talent, get, they only won 89 games. Still a game better than the year before, but. But how about this? So you talk about, you know, they all say the Pythagorean win loss, which is. Runs scored over runs allowed. It tells a lot about a manager if you're if you're over or under your projected win total. The oh 2004 Cubs were Pythagoras says they were supposed to be 94 and 68. They would have comfortably been the wild card team by what, like three games? I believe so. Yeah, 94 wins. Yes, at least two. Yeah, these people who wonder why we hate Dusty so much. Well, there's a reason. Yeah, and like like I said, I've gotten over it since 2016. But you make a good point too. Like just just the path of destruction. I'm mean, starting with Pryor, and I know it's not all on him. There's organizational blame to go around, but that talent. I mean, we, I think we prefaced well, it pretty we well. About, we talked with the Pryor thing, though. Is the even if he did nothing else? I mean, he clearly he rode him and would too hard down the stretch. In 03. But the the prior thing, it's the running into Marcus Giles and then leaving him in the game of pitch. That's yeah, the most yeah, unforgivable yeah. fucking is. thing it ever. Is. It is. But you know, I will say this that if they did the, if they if they had the instinct on that and shut him down, we don't have all three. We might have a great prior, might not, right? But it was, just to leave him in the game was obviously Well, uh, but I've always thought cool. just the fact that shouldn't you have at least gotten him medically checked out? Right, like just the idea right. that they're like, "How you feel? Oh, I'm okay. Okay, good. Just stay in and pitch." But and you remember, through, we, and we saw he couldn't get through the next inning. We we looked, we did that, and okay. Right. True. And then of course the scan. Cubs are so good at reading. Well, but the, but that was the scan that was done towards the end of his career that showed that there. Was well, no, I mean clearly they had, they checked it out after. Yeah. Like, oh, he's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Is this not around the time? When did Sandy Crum get fired as trainer? Remember, you wrote an article called The Dopes or something. That would have been 05. It's all part of the same morass. I was think. that him or was that the that was the guy, what, the guy that Rosner loved so much? I thought it was uh, Sandy Crum. I don't know. Gee, uh, the other guy. Tony Garofalo? Yeah. I don't know. Or, to, or Tony Gravenino, either one. 
They should all or go. Tony, or Tony Graffinino. Tony yeah. Garofalo. It was. Um, I think it is Tony Garofalo. Wow. Well, that goes back to the 80s. They had John Fierro, the 89 Cubs, was the trainer. Was it? But they had like, yeah. Who like, was the one? Oh, John Fierro. Okay. I was trying to think of the one. Remember, uh, Rosner wrote this long thing about how could the Cubs do that? And, oh, my God. What a tragedy. And they don't treat people right. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't remember. I bet it was Fierro. Okay. Yeah, you wrote something, but like this is that period of time where they're like, you know, doing towel drills. They were tra- they're swapping out trainers every year. They were misdiagnosing people. <laughs> it was like just real haphazard management of some real prized investments. Oh, here it is. I wrote a, I wrote an was- article on September seventh, twenty eleven, called "Create Your Own Barry Rosner Column." Oh, that's when he stopped talking to you. Yes, blocked me, and I became persona non grata. Um, but, you know, all you had to do to fill it in was um, uh, talk about the loser fans that the Canucks have, talk about Jay Cutler shrugging, catch up with John Fierro and or Anthony Molina. Remember, that was... Wow, the, the guy who got hit by Ben Christensen? Yeah. Nice. Um, anyway, it went on. And part two, <laughs> so you're right. John, part two John was you had, to, you had to quote Sanjay H., the smartest GM not in baseball today. Uh, part three was um, you went over to the sports pickle and stole some of their uh, headlines. I mean, he used to do wow. that. That's and then he always little... quoted Greg Cody from the Miami Herald. Greg's actually really funny. He's on the Dan Levitard stuff. But okay, he, he it, it was always weird. And then you end up, of course, you finish up with an Alex Kaysberg joke. Right, right. Watch it. He might sue us for mentioning his name. Right. By the way, uh, oh, so you're right. Quality the quality of the jokes. J- but but John Fierro that so that's more of a trainer from like the early Tribune. Yeah, I just remember that Ros that was a guy that Rosner. Things would be different but, if they still had John Fierro. But this uh, this whole thing though, like really like uh, an out of the blue talented team that they just mismanaged. It's late stage Tribune era. They didn't know what they had on their hands. You know, Jim Henry was I think borderline competent, but just the, uh, you know, like I said, towel drills and misdiagnosis and a revolving door of trainers and just like real frustrated. Like they had any sort of organizational um, coherence with all the talent that they had, like between 03 and really 09, because there is some carryover between this and team and Pinellas. They could have really had a, a consistently good team, but instead it was this era, which 03, 04, Again, first time in our lifetime we had back-to-back 500 seasons, so it was actually the best period, yeah. technically, of Cubs baseball that we had seen up until this time. Yeah. And then, you know, 07, 08, there's just no consistency. Late-stage Tribune era. No. And it's funny because, you know, you've got Hendry as the GM, the former farm director. So you figure there's prospects all over this team, right? So here, <laughs> the guys that you normally had in your lineup, Michael Barrett was traded. Traded for. Derek Lee was trade. Mm-hmm. Todd Walker was a mm-hmm. free, free agent. agent uh, Mark Rezalonic was a trade. Famously for Todd Hawley. Uh Ramon Martinez was a free agent. That's who they listed shortstop because he played the most games because of Gonzalez's injury. Wow. And Omar was a trade. Alex Gonzalez was a was it was trade. it tra- Alex Gonzalez was, was that Scott um, Chieson? We love to say that name. I forget who. Oh yeah, was that the Chieson? Because I somehow got Eric Hinsky mixed up. I just know that he came in after Ricky Gutierrez, but he was not homegrown for sure. He was a Blue Jay. Alex Gonzalez. 
Wow, if you, you might have nailed the Scott Chase. No, they, they I didn't. Smelled. It's better. This is one of Tandry's best trades. Traded by the Blue Jays to the Cubs for a player named later and Felix Heredia. What? How do you turn that's, Felix Heredia into something useful? They had to send, the they had to send Jim Deshane. Not Jim Deshane's. Jim Deshane uh, to complete the trade. Wow. We actually got a, a slick. Good one. Jim actually, Henry did make some pretty good trades. He that's really did. a good one. I'm not going to fault that because it's a, you got a regular shortstop that had a lot of clutch home runs and they actually outside the game six so. and oh three and a, was a really slick love man. Moises was a free agent acquisition. Corey was a prospect. Uh, drafted by Ed Lynch in '95 right. might have actually been. Oh, I'm sorry, no, drafted by Ed Lynch in '98, right. and that was definitely Henry. Sammy was a trade. Um, obviously, it long ago inherited, but Sammy was a trade. Right. Um, Jose Macias, I think, he hatched out of an egg somewhere. Right. Like, um, Hollinsworth was a free agent. Yeah. Baco was. They found it a bus stop. Um, Neffy had been waived. Ray Ardonis was a free agent. Jason Dubois, because we know he played the last game. He was a, a he was a prospect. It's ben a Grieve was a trade. Yep. Damian Jackson was a scrappy. Brendan Harris, the next Albert Pujols, was. Was one That's of a Henry. Yeah, Henry Leverage. That Dave Kelvin. Kelvin Murray was a free agent signing. Right. Mike DeFelice was a season. waiver claim. Right. Yes. Uh, and then four... pitching staff. Craig Maddox was a draft pick. Uh, not a Jim Henry, though. <laughs> was a, no, three. And was right. a free agent pickup. Carlos. So Carlos was there. Carlos is a Henry pick. Clement was a trade where they traded their yeah, yeah, draft picks yeah. to get him. They traded Dontrell and uh, the rest yes. of the guys. Kerry was their pick. Pryor was their pick. But okay. Henry only picked... And does Henry get credit for like Pryor. Wood in '95? He didn't really come along, I thought, until no. shortly after. So he doesn't get credit uh, for Pryor, him. who fell into his lap, Patterson, who fell into his lap and sucked anyway, Brennan Harris, Francis Beltran, the Farn. I don't know. the The Farns was a probably a Henry product. Yeah, I'd probably grant. I don't know exactly when Henry came in. You're talking maybe nine guys. Yeah, because Farns was '94. Henry's at least in oh, the... Oh, was. No, no, that's, a, yeah, that's pre-McPhail, so that's not... That's okay, not so he doesn't get credit for Kyle either. No. So seven or eight guys on a, on a roster of, like, 40... Yeah, they used when 43 you're in, guys that year. And you're in... If you're Jim Henry, even if he didn't come in right in 95, he came in around 96, 97, I'm sure. So he's been there eight years, and uh, in all that time, he's only got about eight guys. That's probably not that good. Yeah, and then his the division years. winners in 07 and 08. Oh, God, that's all very few draft fan, picks on That's there. all rotisserie. Oh, like Ryan Terrio is not one you want to brag about. Yeah. And Gio Soto, I guess, was a rookie of the year. But, uh, yeah, they uh, that team was definitely a fan. That was when the Tribune finally relented because they wanted to blow up the value and let Henry spend. So, yeah, never – never uh, – I mean, and you know, he was like in his third full year, or second full year as a GM here. I mean, it's a good team, like you said. I mean, look, everything in a vacuum. Uh, we're in our early 30s here, and we hadn't had back-to-back seasons in our life. I mean, it's it's well, the best we had. Static as that sounds. So the the way you can compare it to the team we're going to do next is it was a hodgepodge of players from other teams, mostly that could not sustain itself. It, it wasn't built to mm-hmm. sustain itself. It was, hey, we're going to try to be good right now and see what we can win. Yep. And then neither team won, and it all fell apart. Yep. 
It because did. Even though they got better. It wasn't a young right. team getting better around itself. It was just a bunch of parts that were smashed together yep. that you were constantly going to have to replace. That's a good analogy. Uh, like, by not closing out the deal in 03, they basically missed their window then. Although... God, they were they weren't that old in 04. Like the no. 85, 86. No, a lot of these guys stuck. Old. I mean, Derek was around for Yes. Derek and Aramis were cornerstones for a long time. They were the two guys that carried over on the on the next back to back, you know, five hundred teams in 07. When you think about how valuable is it to have, you know, players that good at your corners. Yes. I mean that's oh, you, yeah. it makes building the rest of your offense pretty easy, and they still couldn't do it. And that's with an offensive catcher. So, and and Sosa and Wright, who was, you know, Sammy was tailing off in 04, obviously. He, he still put up pretty good numbers, I want to say. Yeah, I, I 35 homers and 80 RBIs. He only played 126 games because of the sneeze. The sneeze in San Diego. Um, but that's obviously serviceable. Even Moises, if you had, Moises had a really good year. Moises, 39 homers, yeah. 106 RBIs. He had 293, 361, 557. Ramos had a really good year. 36 homers, 103 RBIs, yep. 318, 373, 578. Derek had the slow start, but he ended up hitting 278, 356, 504. Walker hit 274, 352, 468. And then, it's just like the um, 18 Cubs. Their numbers all look good, and down the stretch, they couldn't score any runs when they needed them. Right. It was. I remember being at some games down the stretch and how agonizing it was. Uh, you're right. The offense on paper, three, four, five, six, goddamn, seven of the – do I have that right? Seven of the eight regular eight players, or it has to be six, have an OPS or 800. Yeah. Corey Patterson at 771 and Ramon at 659. And yet they were they were seventh in the National League in runs scored. They were fourth in hits, fourth in doubles. Interesting. No First in homers. Uh, A lot of solo shots. Um, but they were 14th in walks. So it oh, just dust, dusty hated walks. Yep. They had a team on base of 328, and that was um, 11th in the National League. Think of 11th. 11th out of, uh, well, back then, because it's even now. They used to be unbalanced, but whatever. It's it pretty 15. much at the bottom. They had the same amount we got now. Oh, you're right. Uh well yeah five 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 right because yeah. there's been no expansion since ninety eight so yeah fifteen eleventh out of fifteenth for a team that won eighty nine games imagine how many how many more games they could have blown through had they just gotten more guys on base I mean maybe that would take away from what some of them did on offense but the pitching staff gave up the fewest hits in the National League the second fewest runs um they had the most strikeouts. And the third best Jesus, year. Jesus Christ. The whole pitching staff. And that's with Pryor only making 21 starts and Wood only 22. Oh, that's the thing that's ridiculous is that the number two pitchers as far as innings or games is Zambrano and Maddox. Yeah, Guys that were the, 50, the youngest and the oldest. Right. 23-year-old and the 38-year-old. So, yeah, you got uh, – how many starts did you say that uh, Wood uh, – what at twenty two part so you get one and a half seasons out of not even that. Like one and a third. They, you know, Clement. That's why Glenn and Rush was making starts that year. 
Yeah, they combined to miss probably 32 starts. Basically, one full one trip around the rotation every time one of the two wasn't there. Right. And it would be more of the same. You know, it was, uh, again, they dipped and came back in 07, but like 05 was a slog even before opening day. And they weren't that, they weren't bad. This team was the 89 wins. And uh, Dusty, the next year, we mentioned this before, would uh, strive to have a third consecutive 500 season. And I remember just hoping he didn't get it because it's not what he was signed up for. And then they went in the shitter in 06, then came back in 07. So it's really an odd era in general. If you look at the aughts, it was by far the most successful decade, you know, from, from you know, uh, any 10-year period that begins in zero, let's say. Yeah. Lou, got, four, they, Lou got three winning seasons in a row. Yes. And then Theo finally broke through, and we actually had, oh, heaven, heaven for Fen, five, which we've also since experienced. Right. But imagine that, kids. Um, nine, 2004 is the first time and some of us are in our 30s watching the Cubs our whole lives. And finally, what's that? They had six winning seasons in a row. Six, right. Although they only played the Theo, the Theo team, right? Only wow. played only played sixty games in the sixty. Doesn't matter because they're still over five hundred nineteen. See, and they won the twenty nine. The twenty nineteen Cubs, when Craig Kimball, like Kimbrel, just shit the tub down the stretch. Um, very analogous to the uh, yeah. 04 Cubs. It's, at least is on the field. They weren't nearly as unlikable, but it was like this sort of painful, slow. This team's really good, and why can't we beat the Cardinals? Bullshit. Um, but you're right. They were over 500 six years in a row. Lou did it three years in a row, and Dusty did it two years in a row, and that's it. I'm not complaining. We won a World Series, but this is what we were dealing with uh, by 2004 was that for the first time we've got a team that's finished 500 back-to-back seasons. And yet it was a season that we just want to forget because it was a slog and then an absolute kick to the nuts the last 10 days. Yep. Last week, really. Um, let's see here. I think it was just very comprehensive. I think we hit all the bones too. I don't think we missed it. You're right. It, because they didn't have a lot of pitchers. Like, well, maybe I'm comparing it to nowadays. But yeah, they was nineteen. That's doesn't seem like a lot. Um, I mean, one of them was Andy Pratt, and he was only around for the first four days. So, yep. You have named everybody. I guarantee. So you didn't. You didn't mention shoulders. Todd Wellemeyer. I thought he was oh, going to no. pop up in one of those games. Yeah, my guy. He blocked me on Twitter. Yeah, so um, they used a lot of shortstops. They had Alex Gonzalez, Nephi Perez, Ray Ordonez, um, and Nomar. And then uh, Damian Jackson and his weird spider tattoos on his elbows. Do you remember those? Looks like no, I don't. Elbows. He uh, he played. Uh, he only played seven games. He hit oh sixty seven. Uh, Mike D. Felice. I don't remember why he showed up, but he showed up at the very end of the season. I guess they just emergency. He had expanded rosters. Why not yeah, throw another catcher on there? Um, sure. Give Dusty some flexibility. They won't use Calvin Murray. Got to have him because he played for Dusty with the Giants. He did, just like, uh, just like Tom Goodwin did the year before, I believe. Could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Goodwin Mike was still Felice, on this team for a little bit. <laughs> right. You'll be happy to know that, uh, whoa, three years prior to joining the Cubs, Mike DeFelice had been arrested on charges that he assaulted two women in a Pittsburgh nightclub. Uh, and after having done so, I thought that name ring a bell is like a guy that seems like a fucking – 
shitty humor. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess he, I guess it's fitting that he was in the 2004 Cubs. Not saying they're all dirtbags, but uh, very few of them comported themselves well outside of D. Lee and Ramirez. And, um, well, and Greg. Oh, and Greggy. Yeah. Everyone else can get, can get fucked because they made lives so much more difficult for the rest of us. So there it is. I defy anyone to do a more thorough analysis. Anyone to have the uh, the intestinal fortitude to do a more thorough analysis of the uh, 2004 Chicago Cubs. Yes, now excuse me while I slip my wrists. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over.